Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ASB gonna find me, cause I wanna be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far out their mouths that this is bullshit. You know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the quarterback. Drop down, say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle with some humongous waves. Oh, that's the paper thing? Oh, surf looks good, Ivan. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! <laughs> Get a haircut, yeah. Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys, welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sea. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing, Samivi. And I'm joined here as always by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World Magazine, The Tracks Magazine, and Waves Magazine, Vaughn Rinsed Corn Deadly. Hey. Top of the morning to you, Jedorm. A top of the morning to you, sir. A top of the morning to you, my friend. A tiddly-dee. A tiddly-doo. Potato, indeed. Potatoes. Mate, nice to see you, Smivy. Good to be back. A regular app. Mm. Crocky, we've been churning out some gold, but... It's been hard to get together and just have a good old chew on the fat and just suck the marrow out of this uh, glorious, big, broad world of surfing. What mm. it's become. Letting the juices drip down your chin, as it were, Vaughn. Mm. Just, just gnawing on the bone of surf culture. And uh, I don't know, Smithy, how do you reckon we're going as a culture, globally? Are surfing in a good place, mate? Like... You and I meet a lot of different surfers from uh, all walks of life, from the very, very top of the performance tree, uh, right down to the Core Lord Underground, and uh, many, many crew in between. Not that one's up the top and one's down the bottom, but you know, from uh, left to right, it's a, it's a fairly broad spectrum. I feel pretty pumped up at the moment, Smith. Mm. Like surfing's in a good place. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if the level of global froth is any gauge. <laughs> off the charts. Yeah. I mean, you could power several African nations with the amount of froth that's been generated out of Bali alone this season. Mm, well, we might need to, the way that the uh, power bills in this country are going, mm. just tap into a bit of Tom Carroll meditation froth. And uh, yeah, you could generate geez, fucking, as many countries as you need from that one man alone. Mm. Good. A couple of electrodes linked up to his scrotum. Away we go. Fair oh, <sighs> scrot too. Fuck off with Musk's... Uh, dodgy lithium batteries and just charge up TC's gonads <laughs> straight to the power grid. <laughs> oh. I mean, the man's charged these crystals in more mm. mortal cones uh, than any man alive, and now he's charging his crystals in a different way. And, I mean, uh, the net gain is much the same. It's just a fucking huge force of energy for mm. good, positive energy, good juju, good yep. mana. yep. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's the, the, the top of the pile of froth in my opinion. And I mean, from the tree, it, it goes down from there and geez, the, the global population of surf froth is fucking off the Richter. There's no doubt about it. So we're in a good place for him. We just need to channel the froth mm. into the appropriate ends. 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're getting there. It's, it's, it's a work in progress, as mm. it always is. I mean, uh, I, I guess, you know, one of the, the worst things about surfing is surfing with other surfers. Mm. You really often just see the absolute worst in the human spirit on show there. Greed, self-absorption, self-centeredness. Mm. But uh, I feel like at the same time, somehow we're going to channel the sheer energy that we get from packing the cone, mm-hmm. from ripping off a furious power gaff, and we're going to put that energy into the rightful place, which is, in my opinion, destroying this clusterfuck of a reptilian corporate capitalist mm. consumer system. It's true, mate. I'm, I'm feeling that It'll get there. the culture shift that you have been predicting, prophesizing for uh, quite some time on this program, Smith. Proselytizing, it, even. It sounds like. Hear ye. It, it destroy actually, the system. It, it feels like it's happening before our very own eyes. Like, mm. the elders, who were who were once. Let, let, okay, let's say the, the elders are the most notoriously famous surfers. You know, let, let's just call them the elders for, for the sake of, you know, the way that surf culture kind of evolved. You know, like a... The heroes were the people on the magazine covers, winning world titles, all that sort of stuff. I mean, there was always the subculture of, you know, uh, the the zone out, drop out, John Pecks, you know, you, you're, you're true core oh, the lords. Peck lord. Well, yeah. well, well yeah. mentioned. You, you know well I mean. yeah, George Greeno. Greenhoff. Uh, hey, Greenhoff. The, the camels, the, the people who just went nose to society and just fucking vacantly or intentionally, not vacantly, but intentionally went to the far reaches where the orbs were living or the fucking, the, the waves were just long and green and funneling. And they just went, this is my life. This is what I want to mm. tap into. Um, I'm but, tapping out so I can tap in and pull in and pack one. But those guys have always been there. But it's the, it's the, uh, the, the heroes, Smivy, who put, all the other shit first, the, the the victories, the money, the fame. Like, they've had these, like, fucking crazy life epiphanies after years of toxic living, mm. basically going from the, the, you know, the penthouse to the cellar uh, in a lot of occasions. I'm, I'm talking, like, Tom Carroll, Jerry Lopez, mm. uh, Oki, all these Dingo. guys. I mean, Dingo. guys who are, they were living in the penthouse, but their mind was a cellar. They yeah. were in a fucking prison of a central nervous system whilst living the high life. And uh, fuck it, it brought them all to their knees. But how's just the, the, the fucking self-realizations and, and changes that they've guys been through? You know, Lopez's film, The Yin Yang, starts off with him apologizing to people mm. he's burned. Mm. Tom Carroll is, you know as we all know, leading this sort of fucking spiritual revolution uh, in terms of just focus on yourself and start helping others. Like, that, it's, there is no better message. And then you've got Dingo, Hoggy, like, all these other leaders. Kobe. Kobe, former um, superstars, leading us into a new Valhalla of, of surf consciousness. I fucking... It's hard not to be pumped up. Mm. It's hard. It's not woo-woo. It's not fucking fancy pants, Smith. It's happening, mate. Mm. And and the, the people leading the charge is the people who you would hope would lead the charge. The people who have inspired us by standing in these fucking, you know, incredibly intense, high-impact moments uh, of connection with nature. And it's finally dawned mm. that that moment can be shared and experienced simply by, by giving other people... Well, you know, you can relive that uh, same sort of energy by giving other people 
what you know, the wisdom that you have gained. Mm, and the rad thing about it is that all those people you mentioned were absolute figureheads of macho culture, exactly. of machismo culture, mm. of guys who fucking ripped, who packed it, who you know had courage and balls and uh, giant egos to go with it. You know, these guys all lived the the pinnacle existence for that fucking beer swilling. Mm drug-taking, you know, take-no-prisoners attitude. And it's great that they're leading this spiritual revolution because they're exactly the people that we need to reach Mm. and and convert to a a more uh, generous and kind and uh, less egotistical life, you know. And these are the exact people who are probably the last ones who are going to want to convert to this more spiritual way of life. When I say spiritual, I just mean a fucking belief in things that is more than yourself. Mm. Just a belief in in being a decent community member, a decent friend, a decent husband, wife, whatever it is. Um, So, you know, it's great to see these guys lead it because, uh, you know, if it was some fucking linen-wearing juju bead (laughs) donning man bun guy, you'd want to bitch slap him and tell him to shut the fuck up. What do you know, cunt? How many Mondo cones have you packed? How many street fights and bar brawls have you been in? How many glass Barbies have you huffed, cunt? (laughs) Oh, I love surfing. I fucking love it. How good is it? Nathan Florence is the most watchable man on the internet, bar none, Vaughn, bar none. Agreed. More watchable than Hemsey, more watchable than Chappelle, Burr, Rogan, tops them all in my opinion. Uh, just on an absolute heater. Another day, another cone of mortal coneoquence. The guy is fucking on one. I mean, he's been on one for a while now, but... Uh, I was actually thinking the other day just about that one in a million frontside hack to backside pit combo at Ullers. Remember that? Yeah. Remember how fucking, how strange is that? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen or heard of a combo like that being put together mm. at that wave. Who even knew you could go right there for mm. one? I think Curran. There's, there's rumors that way back in the day Curran did that. And I think a few Core Lords probably have done it because that, the way that sort of bomby breaks and then comes back through uh, onto the inside reef there, there's a few fucking pretty tapped-in crew who have mastered it. But that's that's got to be uh, the best one. I mean, to actually get and the Vige, to actually to, get to properly throated, yeah. such, a, such a fucking flowy, in-sync manoeuvre. Mm. And, uh, I mean, look, he's been on for one for a while now. Crazy to learn that he's actually the second most watched YouTube surfer on the planet behind mm. Jamie O'Brien. Uh, and it's kind of unsurprising when you're looking at the waves he's surfing, traveling the world, and just packing the filthiest, most frightening slabs on the planet. Uh, most recent clip, The Cave at Sierra, mm. a boiling, gurgly, fucking death trap of a wave. Uh, we've seen, who's the fucking, the loke... The goofy foot loke, Nick Von Rupp, we've seen him fully brush surfing it mm. uh, or, or paddle out and not catch a wave. Uh, the wave also nearly killed Nate's brother, John, knocked him out underwater 
whilst surfing alone out there. And, wow. um, I mean, he just puts on a clinic in this clip. Mm. And I, 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 I could just watch that shit with my hair on fire. It's so <laughs> wild. Yeah. Mate, I reckon he's uh, challenging Mason Ho for most entertaining surfer in the world. Um, I think what they both have in common is that there's there's no convoluted sort of scheming. Uh, there's no contrived sort of storyboarding. You just have guys, uh, two, these two guys, uh, Hawaiian guys, that are just love to bits for loving what they do. You know, they love what they do. I, I, there's, there's no gimmick to what to how they approach all these different waves that they surf. They, they look at them and they're fucking fizzing, mate. Like, they cannot wait to uh, get out there. So that, I reckon that's awesome. Like, I also reckon that they had parents who said, you know, just do what you love. Mm. Like, you know, like you hear that all the time. Like, you hear about parents going, just do what you love. But they don't mean it, mate. They don't mean it. What mm. they mean is like, you know, make sure you do your homework. So you get a job and you can uh, live in comfort and try not to be a cunt to people and make sure you buy me something nice at Christmas. You know, they're not saying go and fucking actually just do what you want to do. But you get the feeling that Alex Florence, uh, Michael Ho and the Ho family, they know the happiness that comes from like living that surfing life with absolute purity. Like just make that your priority and everything else will fall in behind after it. Um, it's a hard thing to do. But if you've got that absolute definite support, like you end up living lives like the Florences and the Hoes, mm. where life is just one long, endless surf trip. And uh, I guess like what these guys love to do more than anything else is bash their bodies into rocks. Mm. And that's good for us, Smitty. So it it's is. great viewing. And uh, yeah. Hey. Yeah. What's not to love about watching people taking off on fucking 10 to 15 foot waves that have no water in the bottom of them? It's amazing. There's it's nothing. crazy. There is nothing I'd rather watch than watch people surf waves that I don't want to fucking bar off. Mm. Oh, I can watch it all day long, and I will watch it all well, day that, long, and I have watched it all day long. That little clip of Mason uh, in Scotland. You mm. know, it's it's not too different from uh, what what uh, you know uh, Nate is doing on the bigger swells. But uh, yeah, you know, just those fucking ones that just hit this rock ledge, grind as hard as they can. They're kind of perfect. And he's just got the ability to stay high on the face and just hit that little exit just before it closes out. It's fucking incredible surfing, eh? Isn't it? Isn't but it? one thing I love about Nate, mate, is um, I just like seeing the little bro find his own path. Because, you know, so it's so often the case with uh, brothers, the togetherness of that, but there's the competitiveness of it, and it can breed a little bit of friction like what we saw with Andy and Bruce. Um, you know, totally respected each other, but... I just remember this one incident where uh, Andy was having uh, one of those sort of beautiful, clean sort of eight-foot days at Backdoor where it was just firing. He had the, uh, the the rising sun boardies on and he just cooked and cooked and cooked this other local guy, kid out there. Um, I remember his name, but I won't, I'll, I'll spare him just because uh, I can't remember if this was public or not. But he just kept on cooking him. And when he got to the beach... This Grom, who had grown up with Andy and Bruce, so roughly the same age, just fucking teed off on Andy. Just went like, you might have won Pipeline, mate, but you didn't win it against the Wyans. He goes, you might have world titles, but you didn't win the fucking Eddie. And you might have fucking money in the bank, but you'll never have more than Bruce, man. And he was just fucking sort of attacking Andy for being so hungry and greedy and, and lauding Bruce for just being cool. And basically going, you'll never be as cool as fucking 
Bruce, mate, no matter how, how hard you try. And it was because this guy was from the same um, zone. You know, he knew that that was a barb that was going to sting. Yowch. And he was just like into him. Whereas the Florence brothers, they fucking just, it just seems like they're on completely different paths. And like, I don't know, but I get the feeling that Nathan has the greatest wave that might ever be ridden in him. You know, like John John will probably go down as the best surfer in terms of understanding ocean and riding it to perfection that has ever lived. I think it's a fair comment to make these mm. days because fuck man, like, I mean, Curran, Slater, Andy are real or Bruce are the only guys you'd put in that conversation uh, for pure, just ocean. Jack Robbo's probably on the, like starting to put himself in there too. But Nate just seems like he might paddle out on the day of fucking days and ride the greatest wave ever ridden. Well, he's kind of already done it. I mean, that one at Chopes from years ago, which was kind of a, oh. a, a announced his presence on the world stage. He was a bit of an unknown. He mm. was the younger brother to John uh, and, and just like the, you know, seemingly the, the lesser talented of the two. And then he gets that thing. Just I was looking at the cover of that. I think it ran on, on Surfing or Surfer the other day. And just the fucking, the still before he even makes the drop, mm. he's halfway down the ledge under a fucking ton of water. An yeah. Olympic-sized swimming pool yeah. about to knife one into the trough and let go of the rail and just fucking <laughs> oh, weave like a cobra. Man. Wow. Yeah. Full-blown trough, man. Just open wide and let it rain on me face. I mean, oh, it's it's one of the all-time great Chopes rides, oh, isn't it? Geez, it? It is so under the ledge. It, it's straight out of the AI, BI, you know, textbook of how to fucking knife that joint on your backhand with perfection. On a 6.8 as well. And But don't you reckon, like, like you know, you're looking at Kyle Lenny, you're looking at where big wave surfing is going and all that stuff, but I just feel like he's he's the guy. I reckon if if the swell hits and he's in the right place, he's going. He's, he could be like the dude who rides the next millennial wave. Mm. You know what I mean? That mm. lead wave that changed everything. His track record is definitely suggesting. I mean, one ship sterns the the Cape Cape Fear event there on his first ever mm. attempt at surfing the wave. Mm. How fucking surreal is that? To be able to paddle out at one of the most technical, unpredictable slabs on the planet and just fucking dots, dots, dots. Yeah. The entire field, uh, which was, you know, a lot of which was comprised of veteran lokes, fucking skits. Yeah. He's a pure he's, talent. He's in a the... fucking nice man. Mm. Very, very nice man. He Bravo. I'd have yarned to him after that win, and he was a lovely, very generous man mm. and uh, well raised. And full credit to Alex Florence, you know, raising three boys on her own, renting uh, on the North Shore back when it was possible to do yep. that. And incredible, too, to see the level that all three brothers have gotten to, despite not having that, you know, male figure in their life, like a, a dad or uh, even having that that person, the the, the older brother, the, the, just, you know, you look at Mason Ho, you look at a lot of pro surfers, and the reason they got there is because they were pushed into it by older brothers um, uh, or a father. Mm. Uh, they didn't have any of that. They, they just ground out... Uh, 
a performance level purely off the back of, of living on the beach there and, and a supportive mother, which is incredible. They're, these guys are essentially first-generation surfers, and you don't really see first-generation surfers mm. get to that level very often. I think Alex did surf a little bit in New Jersey, definitely skated a bunch. But, uh, yeah, an unlikely story. Mm. It's an apocryphal tale, uh, something that maybe read in the book of Genesis in years to come when we come up with the new New Testament. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, incredible story. Nah, great, great uh, story and uh, great surfers, great surfing family. Probably might go down as one of the all-time all greatest. Mm. Who knows? But, uh yeah, good on you, Nate Dog. Ripping bra. It's raining world titles, Vaughn. We can't turn the tap off oh, at the moment. You beauty. Next cab off the rank, our man, Harrison Roach, taking out the what world longboarding champs. Oh, Hazza. Mad indeed. This makes me happy, mate. I reckon Haz is a bona fide Aussie surfing legend. I like his brain. I like his style. I like his head. I like his moxie. I even like his smell. Mm. It's not a. It's not something you can say about all surfers, Smithy. Uh, Wade Carmichael, for oh, example. You're Smells like your, a wet blanket. That's right. You're not putting your nose near his pits. Oh, must he has. And then uh, what about oh, Glenn Micro Hall, mate? He's all. He smells all thick and gluey, like a mm. Guinness fart. Oh, the old oh. One day he's tiddly dee, and the next day he's piddly dee. Oh, and, yeah, and then what about? Uh, don't get me started on Medina. He just smells like Lynx Africa. Oh. The whole fucking room just reeks of that shit when he walks in, mate. <laughs> so much cologne. I reckon he's got a spray room in his house that he just walks into and it's like you know those body shops where the the spray guns move around the car and it's just links africa you reckon he's got one for his corn a little a little links per day you know he does you reckon he has (laughs) he sprays he gives his corn a rinse in the dunny and then gives it a little after spray a little you you would hope so yeah i think i think um yeah uh, uh what is that a dot cologne bidet little japanese arm that comes out and just yeah good idea But, uh, yeah, no, Haz smells like uh, bananas and sun cream, like all good loggers should. Yes. And um, I don't know. I think he's just a a worthy world champion. But I do have one problem with this, Smithy. I don't want to bring it up. The A word, mate. The A word. Mm. Asterix. Because... uh, I didn't see any asterix hobbing around him. No, well, uh, Joel Tudor, let's not forget, banned from competing. Mm. Banned from competing. For his scathing critique of women's longboarding prize money being completely discriminated against when compared to women's shortboarding prize money. Uh, so, can we say, in all honesty, Smith, that Hazard's world title won't be besmirched in the history book with a little pointy star that reads in the linear notes, Tudor did not compete? Mm. It's a good question. And I mean, DMC and almost DNZ. I mean, the uh, WSL, they're starting to resemble something of a autocracy, dictatorship. You know, you can't speak out against the administration for fear of being marginalised and banished from competition. It's not a good look for the surfing administrators. I don't know why it was, it didn't, like, as a theme to be publicly outed about, it didn't seem that hectic, did it? Just saying, hey, the women's longboarders being treated like crap compared to the women's shortboarders. Mm. That's a fair call, isn't it, for a world champ to make? Well, I just thought uh, I thought being woke was the flavour of the month in professional sporting in the celebrity sphere. I thought you'd you'd uh, you know you get kudos for that, if not a, a couple of extra. Uh, you know, getting your score a little bumped up by the mm. the woke panelists. I mean, I, f- I don't know what. I, 
But I guess uh, it depends. you, you got to be careful when you play the woke card because if you play the woke card mm-hmm. on some wokists, they might just fucking woke you right back yeah. and just go, Yahtzee, you're out. <laughs> you're out. Uh, well, look, I don't. I am not putting an asterisk next to uh, Hazard, just as I don't put an asterisk next to Sonny Garcia or Oki or CJ Hobgood. They're, they're worthy world champions, mate, and Hazard deserves to have his name etched in the history books with the greats, the great loggers of the... Mm. And how about his pit crew, Vaughn? I'm pretty sure the guy cheering him up the beach was one of our very own native beer-drinking, cone-smoking Sasquatches from the Wollumbin Caldera. Ooh. It was an interesting uh, an interesting entourage he was rolling with over there. Was it in Malibu? Mm. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, I love the optics of a world champion being chaired up the beach by some 170-kilo cause light smashing lunatic in a trucker hat <laughs> that reeked. I mean, you talk about uh, how how surfers smell. I mean, this guy just smelt like, uh, you know, weather and must mm, and marijuana. Perfect. 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 And somewhere somewhere out there, Mickey Dora hopefully was doffing the cap. Mm. Big doff. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was in the, uh, the, 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 the competitor's area actually just fucking... Racking up a bill on someone else's credit card and fucking <laughs> chortling. Well played. Yes, well, well played, done, Mickey. Uh, and uh, any other notes there on the world champion? Well, I mean, uh, as an aside to, to Harry's maiden. Oh, congrats, uh, Hazza. Albeit potential asterisk world title. ATS does doff the cap. Oh, big doff. time to Hazza. Well Mondo done. Mondo doff. Steph Gilmore. <laughs> she is. The eight-time world champion, Vaughn. Has it sunk in? Oh, not I mean, I just, I just don't want you to forget it, mate. Uh, you know, sometimes we needed to be reminded of the greatness in our midst, of the omnipotence of mm. Australian women surfing, of the fact we are the motherland of not one, but two of the goats of female surfing. Goat one and goat two, both from here, Vaughn. How does it feel? Ah, oh, it feels good. And don't worry about Steph, mate. The fem goat has just been approved for a statue uh, on top of the Harbour Bridge between the colonial flag and the recently approved Aboriginal people's flag, the greatest flag in the world, if you ask me, uh, for this princely sum of $42 million to erect and upkeep. And I, for one, am calling that a bargain, Smithy. A bargain to have the fem goat up there between the two flags. Uh, unification of a nation, eight world titles, something for everyone to celebrate. Kathy Freeman, 2000 all over again. Well played. Number three. Stab high hits lucky peak. Mm. And it's a great concept. And I'm fucking really loving the content coming out of Stab Premium World at the moment. Uh, so good to see the transition from the wave pools into some long energy Indo juice with a skits air wind and a boiling end section tailor made for skits punts. This has been the I, – I, I haven't been to Lakey since I was 13 or something. And I remember people were throwing it up as a potential WSL finals venue. Like, mate, fuck, it is so there. It's so much more punchy, so much steeper, and there's so many more questions being asked by that wave for the surfers. You've got the best air guys in the world. All these guys can surf fucking sick, even, you know, airs aside. And they're – Getting proper dusted out there, man. Trying to, like, you know, find ramps. It's, it's big. It's punchy. I, I was almost thinking as I was watching it, like, we should maybe move Stab High over to Blitzed. Because mm. it's, it's fucking, like, in that world of, of being, uh, you know, 
proper pay-per-view entertainment. Like, if it was live, I'd sit there and watch it, mate. Get the credit cards out. I'm fucking ready, Smithy. Mm. I don't know. I loved it. Occurred to me, though, there would be one hell of a drinking game or, you know, the modern uh, equivalent, swelling equivalent of a drinking game. Um when you're watching this show, yeah. So let's say uh, every time you hear Crystal someone on the tower say, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. If you hear, oh, my God, one, mu- one mushy cap. One mushy cap, yeah. Uh, if you hear, oh, my gosh, that's like, uh, I don't know, a tab of LSD. Mm. If you hear, are you kidding me? Uh, Ten drops of green light CBD. Mm. Yep. Or swell CBD. And uh, just a good old, fuck. I reckon that could just be, uh, well, one shot of tequila. Yeah. Got to keep a little bit of the old school in there, but what do you reckon? Yeah, I like I mean, that. mate, there is a lot. <laughs> You'd almost, if you only ran when the crew was saying that, it would almost be the same show. Mm, mm. Yeah. yeah uh, good uh, concept and fuck, it's good shit. Yep. Oh, so entertaining. I um, mean, some of the standouts from the first episode that I watched, Eli Buke, an unknown zaffer. Ah, uh, just getting the nod over a, a much more vetted field. I think Matthias Hurdy was in that heat. Mm. Uh, Letty Mortensen, Avalon's very own Letty, mm-hmm. mad swelling, getting the nod over Matthias as well, bumping him down to, I think, third place in that heat. Uh, Noah Besh in fucking hell. The apple does not fall far from the tree. Mm. Skits punt fiend, uh, you know, honed his game on the skits ramps. The nouveau ramps of backdoor and uh, you know various other spots in Hawaii, rocky rights, rocky lefts, but yeah, fucking hell, just the Hawaiians' ability to launch off serious ocean energy uh, is psycho. Yeah. The, just their command on long period energy and the fearlessness with which they hit the ramp or pack the cone. It's second to none. We see it with Nate on the slabs of the world, and we're seeing it with Noah here. On the ramps of the world, mm. fuck, he was going ham. Fuck, man, the technique is so skits now, isn't it? Like the 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 amount of adjustment that goes on once these guys are in the air, like the the real subtle little ankle movements, uh, you know, rail grabs, like whatever's going on. But when it's in that super slow mo, and you sort of see the way that they can tweak or bone out an air, or like you know readjust, fucking just purely because the wind's got under them a little bit, it's mind blowing. And these fucking nobodies, mate. Who are these fucking nobodies doing these airs? As you said, Eli who? Buchan. Habuchan. Mm. Birkin? Merkin. Merkin, that's him. Yeah, pretty sick stuff, mate. And I think the WSL really needs to fucking have a good look at just, yeah, I'm, I don't want to get stuck into that whole, like, you know, rip curl finals, trestles argument because we're going there again next year, no matter what. But ugh, it's got to end. No mm. more after 2023. I love the idea. Lakey's is such a good option because it has all the heaviness and conical variety of a pipeline. Uh, even the left uh, has been compared to Chopes when it's mm. in that kind of 10-foot range. But then it's fully rippable like North Narrabeen yeah. or like, uh, you know, the, the, the front, like alley rights, whatever you, whatever you want to throw at it. It's like a fully high-performance rippable wave when it's smaller. It's the ultimate competitive surf location. On the downside, uh, there was a terrorist cell somewhere near Beamer. Mm. Uh, one of the Bali bombers, in fact, was from Sambawa. And uh, you know, there's been some threats over the years to blow up the Armengardi. And you know, there is a bit of that noise. I don't mm. know if that's factored into the decision-making process over there. I know that for a long time after the Bali bombings, uh, the ASP was, was fearful of going to Indonesia just because of the insurance premiums. 
uh, that it costs to run an event there mm. due to a whole number of things, terrorism, earthquakes, all that shit. But surely we're past that, Vaughn. Surely there's a uh, enter-at-your-own-risk waiver yeah. that we can force at gunpoint our pro surfers to sign because really all we want to see is some high-performance surfing uh, born by hook or by crook, by illness, by injury. I don't fucking care. Mm. I want to see my high-end pros packing the Mondo Cone on finals day, Uh, not surfing some onshore, cross-shore, weak, gutless gibberish. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Smitty. With you on that one big time, mate. Hey, hey. Number two. Billabong's new film, Interlusion Master, is out officially. And uh, let me tell you, it is a full-blown thumbscrew romper. Give your Billy a wire brush clean. Break out the North Coast nugs you've been hiding in the back of the fridge and settle in for a screening, an encore screening, a matinee, maybe even take the Monday off. Oh, Smivy, this is why the death of the VHS sucks. Because if I was 15, exactly as you just said, I would have been fucking set on fire by this thing, man. I would have watched it. Punched a couple of hotties with Simo and HB and Johnny Morgan. And then I would have watched it again. We would have fucking screwed back in, had another fucking hit, and then watched it again. And then we would have realized that our $25 foilies that we bought with our study had all fucking run out. So we would have just <laughs> packed a fucking spinner cone and watched it again, mate. Oh, this, is the fi- this, this film does not deserve to be swamped or pushed down the leaderboard. By whatever garbage, you know, it, it, it's, you know, the, the way it works. You, you, so, you, you, you get your fucking moment in the, in the sun where you, you, you're the top story on whatever website you're on. And then and you got yeah, they're, replaced they're, by some, uh, I don't know, someone, Basque beach break, rip bowl, grovel uh, with a five minute Indo section. Ah, oh, fuck. Uh, it's just, it's such a shame. And I, I, I don't know. Even DVDs didn't have the same weight and size that the VHS had. Like, mm. you would just sit there and just give this thing so many run-throughs. The tape would be clear by the end of it. Uh, you get in there oh. with the, the head cleaner. You yeah. know, the, like, it gets all screwed up and you're manually twisting it and you're pumping some lube in there and you're praying, yeah. worshipping at the altar of the VHS. Yeah. Give it a couple of punches on the top when that doesn't work. Oh, man. I just, fuck. I think it's the best single surf trip film made in five years like like just it's all one trip it's immense trip too which is so hard to make those things kind of mm. stand out but this is a mondo score smithy of just <laughs> biblical proportions like they have proper struck gold on this one dakota walters kian martin jai glindo are sort of the young guns on the trip they all fire incredible surfing, but my God, mate, Aiden Osborne, how's that kid? Like the first air of this thing is just boned out. It is like straight out of the fucking butcher shop. It is boned, boned, and boned again. And uh, he just gets better and better as it goes. There's a full rote air reverse on a solid six-foot wave. Mm. Greases that one. But dare I say it, mate? The, the highlight surfing for me is Parco and Credo. Candoid is just... <laughs> Kando! Just, I don't know, the longer boards, they, it just sends me back to a place where happiness is for me. Like, I don't know, I, I transport to this other realm and then Parco, man, like, put him on more surf trips. Get him in perfect surf. I could watch that 
like you said, till your eyeballs fall out and roll away. Mm. Yeah, Kendo. Kendo, under, underrated for his versatility. I mean, on those longer boards, those big frontside power gaffs and just pure reads in the cone, uh, you know, reminiscent of all the great style masters of yore. Mm. But then the guy's just hucking furious air revs into the wind, losing boards, like sticking them still, like crazy corked out rotations. Uh, you know, the guy's stuck a couple of backflips in his career. You know, he's as high tech and progressive as, as any surfer on the planet. But it's an amazing to see a surfer combine those two disciplines. They're, they're so far apart. There's almost no surfer on earth bar, you know, John, I guess, who can combine super stylish rail surfing with high-end, super progressive punts. They're usually different disciplines. You know, you got your Medinas, your Idolos, your Philippe's. I mean, Philippe, fuck, that guy's got a rail game on mm. him. But, yeah, to have that level of style and that super progressive game at the same time and also just be a fucking beast when it's proper big and coning. Mm. Fuck, he's the complete surfer. So good to see him go on with his career. You know, he's been through some battles, some mental battles. Um, and, and you know, there's there's definitely been some troughs in his time as a pro surfer where it could have all gone south and he, and he could have just, you know, coughed up a career, but he's fucking gritted his teeth. He, he's stuck it out and he's surfing better than I, ever. I th- It's one of those uh, sections where... <sighs> If you haven't seen Credo surf for a little while, you just you just go fuck this guy. Is this guy my favourite surfer? Like you, you fully feel like that by the end of this film. Like it is such fun surfing to watch. You know, there's 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 a uh, there's a bit more time in Credo surfing. Did you notice that? Like I don't know if it's maturity or just having the the, the read or I, I fucking actually don't know what it is. But it's something sort of spiritual and it taps into what I love about surfing. Mm, well, it's uh, tapping- John, John John's got the same thing. It's like, it's just that like space where you're not doing stuff. That's just as enjoyable as the space where you are doing stuff. Like that's, mm. that's what it is. It's the spaces between that makes his surfing so, you know, desirable. And uh, like, it's this kind of surfing that I wish I could do. And really when he's, when he's paired up with Parco in this thing, you're kind of looking at it going, Oh, well that makes sense. Like you've got two of the smoothest guys going. Um, but yeah, there's just that, that little undercurrent of credo that's punk rock as well. So you've got that little bit of danger and the versatility is where that sort of danger explodes. The waves in this thing are as good as any surf film I've seen in a long, long time, man. And like there's people dropping really good, really creative single trip surf films at the moment. I think there's one, um, well, Torrent Martin's probably the best example of someone who just commits to, you know, these and Ishka, his uh, sort of filmer there. They're making some really good stuff. But this is a high-performance, pointy end of the stick, you know, like classic old billabong surf film. It reminded me heaps of Pump and Filthy Habits and uh, Surf Into Summer, you know, just that that grindy, sick, garagey uh, soundtrack. Wash have a couple of... Credo's band actually provide a couple of bangers. How wild's that? In the soundtrack. And Talk about versatility. Oh, mate. Axe-wielding awesome. maniac. It's awesome. It, it threw me back to the VHS days, which are my favourite era when I was a grom, when I cared about surfing more than anything. It's right there in the spirit of that. And I think big props to uh, Mikey Malaloo, uh, Mal- 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 Mick. 
And uh, Tommy Geno, Geno, oh, Jennings. The master, the wizard behind the lens. Fuck, he's the best in the game. Bravo, boys. Uh, I reckon you could be on for film of the year here. Mm. I reckon it's, uh, you know, there's a lot to compete against. Uh, there's a lot of different styles. And, and surf films are really starting to branch into some pretty fucking wild territory, man. I just watched Sweet Adventure that... Is it Peter Hamblin? Uh, Not sure, but with Miola and and you know it's 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 a stylistic film, single surf trip uh, film yet again. Uh, Albie Layer and um, uh, Matt Miola and oh sorry mate, this is bad, but uh, Albie's girl is a pro skater and and they all go to El, El Salvador. Beautifully shot, like borrows a lot from sort of films like Delicatessen and Amelie and and Wes Anderson films and all that sort of stuff, but. I don't know, mate. When it comes down to it, a surf movie lives and dies on the surfing, and this is top of the tree for me. Mm. Couple highlights watch for it, me. Watch it. Watch it. Eight hey. Osborne's judo, one of the cleanest judos I've ever seen, uh, and backs it up. Like the next clip is a fucking tripped out frontside bow roll, a la Timmy Curran. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you call those things? Like a frontside rodeo? They look so weird and awkward, but. Fucking almost impossible. I think there's been what, like two ever done? Mm. Uh, and yeah, just that giant rotor on the heaviest six foot closeout over dry reef. And you mentioned, you know, it's a throwback to those VHS days. I guess that's what Kando's tapping into with those longer boards. You know, that was a golden age of surfing. Your Bruce Irons, your, your Taj Burrows, you know, that, that kind of longer board, more rail in the water, uh, forces you to slow down and, and really like, you know, just uncoil the rig, bit more body lingo, bit more style. And uh, fuck, it's a joy to watch. And it's a forgotten art. I mean, mm. boards just got shorter. So. Guys like your Toledos, your Johns, your Jack Robos can just whip it around and fucking dance all over the wave face like Zorro with a sword. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just that yeah. slow down. It's like in between a single fin and a thruster demands a bit more, just a bit bit, bit more of a, a cleaner line, a slower read, and, and the ability to really just fucking flex mm-hmm. the body in all its stylistic Majesty, what a performance from the Kando. What a performance from the Bong Lords. Can't forget Jaya Glindo in there. Mm-hmm. A couple of skitty frontside swerve combos and the rest. Stand tall's galore. Five cone pieces from Smithy. The grumpy old legend. Every beach needs one. What's happened to surf movies on the big screen? Where'd they all go? I'm not talking about those big budget Hollywood wank fests that you see today. I'm talking about the good old boys turning up to the Gimpy Point Tavern with a sheet, two pegs, an old projector and film spools of the best bloody surfing you'd ever clap your peepers on. Going to watch a surf flick back then was an occasion. The Reekers would play some surf guitar to kick off proceedings and little Mio would get us all whistling like wolves with her sexed up surf stomp demo. Still the best dairy air I've seen to this day, I might add. Finally, the lights would go down and the clickety-clack of the old machine would cast great scenes of your favourite surfers sliding gas waves in faraway lands. The tab would nearly collapse for the hooting and hollering, and by night's end, we'd all end up in the car park, pissed to the gills and punching on with the gungooly greasers. I tell ya, they were glory times for the humble old surf movie. You certainly don't get none of that watching clips of Bobby McFerrit doing twizzle whizzles on your folded half computer machine. Pfft, bring back the traveling surf movie. 
Surfing deserves it. Number one. Time to blow our own horns, Vaughn. Let's blow our own corns, even. The inaugural Swellness Summit was a raging success. And, uh, I mean, geez, what an event it was. Never a negative <laughs> word to say about it. Just an incredible, incredible event. Uh, so much goodness, so much positivity. And, uh, yeah, how did we do in the end, in the, in the wash-up? What was the... Uh, I haven't looked at the, the books yet, but oh. I mean, I'm assuming it must have been a, a raging financial success oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, mate. No, no, it cost us, uh, in the end, uh, we finished in the red about 14K, I think. We're, yeah, it cost us about 14 grand, mate. So What, uh, what, do, you, what do you mean? Oh, no. No, the weekend was what? a success, but we fucking ate shit putting that thing on. But, For, mate... 14... What? Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? It cost money to heal people, Spivy. Um, yeah, I look, believe it. We went all out, mate. It's a year's rent for my mother in Maruba. <laughs> it's a fucking lot of coin. How do we cough up so much? Oh, look, books aren't our uh, strong point, but mm. as you said, man, the, the weekend was fucked up, dude. I, I was so stressed out about it in the lead up, but mostly because of like you know, fuck, is there was just the weather looked like it was going to just completely. Oh yeah, there was sabotages. A, a swirling cyclone with a witch. Riding around in circles on a broomstick, laughing at us, throwing Tom, Tom lightning Carroll bolts at us. Called me on Monday. This this is the Monday. Uh, the the swellness was for Friday, and he goes, "Have you had a look at the weather report? Because it looks like you're in for rain." And I looked at the BOM, and I was like, "Fuck, it looks pretty good. It's saying like one millimeter chance, like you know, small chance." Didn't you say to Tommy, "Come on, mate, can't you do something about it?" Yeah, I was like, "Get the electrodes on the gonads and start praying, cunt." Anyway, yeah, so, uh, you know, we got closer and closer and then I sort of started to see these little weather patterns forming up and we rang Gergi, our manager, and we were like, hey, mate, can you just ring someone at the fucking bureau and find out what's going on with this weather? And he was, he rang us back and he was like, yeah, I just spoke to a woman there. She said, maybe one, maybe two mils of rain. Sure enough, Friday hits. Tom Carroll, prediction, don't know what weather map he was looking at, but he picked it to the eyeball, Smithy. It pissed down raining. And fuck, I was stressed. I was going, oh, my God, have we just cooked it here? And then making their way through the torrential rain. Across the floodwaters, down the the River Kwai in canoes. Down the River Kwai, who arrives in fucking matching Bunnings ponchos. (laughs) None other than Pauline Mensah and her partner Sam. And I just looked at him, sausage sizzle in hand, (laughs) soggy white bread. And I just went, that's it. That's as battler as it gets. Fucking Pauline Mensah and Sam rocking up in matching Bunnings ponchos. I knew we were on a winner right then. And it just did not fucking let up. Every every single thing that happened after that was perfection. We got to uh, share so much wisdom. We, we got to really get down and dirty. And I do mean down and dirty. We were rolling around in the grass, in the mud, doing jiu-jitsu. We were doing contemporary, contemporary traditional 60,000-year-old... Yeah, indigenous just, dance indigenous mixed dancing. with like Fuck, 2023 futuristic ice bath breathing, dual bands. Oh man, it was a full blown sandwich. It was, and, and I got to the end of the week, and I, you and I looked at each other, and we knew we'd lost money, and we were just going, "That was worth every cent." Mm. Like, it really was. Like, and, and we'll make that money back when we do the next one, so it's no big deal. But like, I was just going, "This is." Full credit to you, mate. Like you had that vision so early in the piece. This has been like kind of like simmering away for about four years now, and I was always going, "Fuck, how is this going to work? What's it going to look like?" It couldn't have been put to a bigger test that weekend. 
the universe really said, how much do you want this, boys? And mm. we fucking went for it and the universe rewarded us. That's the only way I can describe it. Mm. I had a moment there at about 2 p.m. on the Friday where the event was slated mm. to kick off at 3 p.m. And at 2 p.m. I went off for a little kip. And uh, as I was sleeping in my tent, the heavens opened up and we copped 20 mil of rain in about 40 minutes, uh, which is, you know, and I, I've lived through flood rain and I mm. knew that that was flood rain. The intensity of the rain was so full on. It was too late to can it. The, most of the swellings had already arrived and I was just lying in my tent howling with laughter, <laughs> thinking, fuck, I've stitched these cunts up. Good and proper. Well played, Stevie. Well played. Oh, jeez, it was hilarious. But then, uh, you know, I, I walked out of the tent and I looked at the little road that separated the tents and camping mm. area from the main marquee where we're holding the event, and it was fucking waist deep. Yep. It was a flooded. It just was a river. Yeah, it was above the wheel hubs on uh, Asher Pacey's Fall Drive, which is raised. So I was like, oh, wow, this is proper. But uh, but that was know, the whole point. The three whole... o'clock, right? So three o'clock, it was torrential rain, torrential rain. 3.05, we started our first workshop and the tent was packed. It was a group Wim Hof session. And uh, I mean, fuck, that was the whole point. It was this cosmic confluence of events where the whole point of this event was to build resilience and lean into the hardship mm. and uh, you know, find out what happens when you do that as a community, when you all come together and you fucking link arms for the common good. And what happens is something that I don't think any of us could have predicted. And I don't even know if it can really be described in words. I think that it can only really be felt. It's like um, there's this uh, French philosopher, Emmanuel Kant, Kant, <laughs> Kant, whatever his name is. Yeah. But he was a smart Kant. And uh, he's he had this theory of the sublime, which is, you know, everyone's used that word, oh, it's sublime, it's sublime. What that actually means is an experience that defies description. It's beyond the realms of language. Mm. And that's what this was. It can only be experienced what it's like to do a fucking skits breathwork session with 50 or 80 or 100 people and, and meditating and doing, with stacking healing modalities on top of one another. Mm. And when they're all combined and you combine the energy of all those people, it creates this fucking atomic bomb of goodness. Mm. And to inhabit that for three days is one of the wildest experiences. I mean, this was a social experiment. Mm. Like all the shit that was, all the healing and wellness shit that was on the program is, is essentially shit that I do every single day. Mm. And to do it with all those other people at once was just, uh, I didn't know how it was going to pan out, mm. but it, fucking rocked my socks off and everyone left that joint feeling like they were completely charged up for whatever the planet could throw at them, whatever the politics could throw at them. It was a fucking hallmark event in my life. And, uh, you know, I can't take full credit. I think everyone played their part perfectly. And, you know, these, the whole reason we did this was because doing the podcasts, traveling around in these pubs, you know, as classic as it was, we're kind of celebrating in a sense this fucking hardcore degeneracy this drug and alcohol abuse um you know and, and it's hilarious to, to point and laugh at but the reality of that lifestyle is so fucking disastrous mm. for everyone around you it's so toxic and i just felt like you know all things in balance like we need to even out the ledger here and actually push 
lifestyle choices that we know to be good and positive. Mm. And I wanted to push those to the very people who we celebrate that culture of degeneracy to. I wanted the battlers to be there. You know, I wanted to take all those healing modalities out of that fucking woo-woo, man-bun, juju-bead, linen-wearing space (laughs) and put it into the gristled, calloused hands of the coal miners and tradesmen and, uh, you know, just working-class degenerates who are doing their six days a week on the tool and blowing their heads off with gack and booze on the weekend. Mm. I wanted them cunts to fucking experience what it feels like to generate happiness and positive energy without toxins without consumption like our culture just tells you the solution to everything every problem you have is to consume more to Mm. buy more and it's not it just ends up making you more miserable Mm -hmm. and that's why we have your dingoes uh you know your tom carroll's your richie vaculics your your jody and pauline's to a lesser extent i mean they never you know in reality really enjoyed the the spoils of capitalism Mm. and, and consumerism like the men did but we had all these figureheads who lived the fucking highest of highs very literally only to emerge out the other side deeply mm. ill and they came back with cautionary tales so we don't have to live that lifestyle we can stop barking up that wrong tree mm. come together as a community to heal each other heal the planet and destroy the fucking reptiles <laughs> Good news, Smithy. A big thanks to everyone who did come. Uh, I know that you and I really, I think we would have connected with every single person there. There's about 130 people, I think. We were sort of aiming to get about 150. That would have been, uh, you know, ideal. But with the weather the way it was, I think we pretty much nailed close to what we wanted. So huge, huge thanks to everyone who did uh, brave the weather and come down. I know that, uh, you know, if you if you were there, you know exactly what Smithy was talking about. It was sublime. Uh, good news, though, if you want to sort of tap into some of the wisdom that we shared that weekend at the summit, uh, we're going to be releasing these uh, podcasts. I think we did like three or four podcasts over the weekend, uh, long form with all of our guests, and we will have a few workshops coming out on the Ain't That Swell platform as well, mate. Yeah. Like we'll do some Tom Carroll meditations. Mm. We'll do some, uh, possibly some breathing. I don't know if that's actually... Yeah, keep on that. We're going to launch our Patreon paywall and try and bring a a lot of the the swellness programs into a digital space just to keep the crystals charged Mm. in between events because we will be putting on another event ASAP as soon as we can uh, get together, cobble together the funding. That's right. So we don't have to go into a giant financial fucking black hole. (laughs) Are you kidding me? 40 grand? What? (laughs) Vaughn, couple clips have emerged that have dropped my jaw to the ground and had me kicking it like a couple of elephantitis swollen gonads. Jackie Robbo is not putting himself on ice this off-season, Vaughn. Not by a long way. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you saw that boned-out frontside grab. He stuck recently. He looked like a, a fucking Bruce Irons flyaway. Mm. He actually rides out of it, not protecting the knee cartilage and ankle joints. Our Jacko looking well-primed for the coming season. Mate, he is the most improved surfer in the world, which seems like a ridiculous thing to say. But the confidence matched with uh, just peace of mind and, and a happy life. He's definitely in a place where he's spiritually, 
physically, emotionally in perfect line. Like his chakras, Smithy, are at full vibration, my friend. Spirit molecule firing. And um, I just think the, the ingredient that he was missing was that winning feeling. You know, like I think those years where he got on tour and it was a little bit of sort of almost like, a, you know, warming up the engine. Mm. You know, it took him a while to get, get the revs up and for the engine to start humming. Mm. Everything I'm seeing now is just a guy who is in full belief uh, that he is one of the best surfers in the world. The crazy thing is that these clips that he's dropping are just, they're all X-Factor clips now. Like, it's its like that, you know, when uh, Italo went on his rampage after he won the world title and he, he had shots, like, you know, surfing one foot shore, he's just doing these fucking Mondo tail blows. And you were just thinking, God, this guy has just gone to another level. Because, you know, being world champion, the belief that it fills you with is is just so fucking untangible. Like, you, you start doing stuff that you... You're not even thinking about it anymore. And that's where Robbo's headspace looks to be. I was talking to Parco the other day, and he said that uh, they did a little skimish down uh, when that big southerly swell came up the coast recently. They did a skimish down the coast from the Goldie. So, uh, you know, take your pick, finger, mm. whatever. But um, they surfed this sort of six to eight foot right, and the north wind blew into it. So the, the, the northerly came up on this day. And he said he saw Jack Robbo do a 10-foot air. Like, he said it was the biggest air he's ever seen. He was just so lofted. He was, like, hang gliding up there for a fucking eternity, and he just greased it like it was nothing. Just completely fucking poofed it out like he was jumping off the top bunk into a pile of cushions. You know, he just nailed it. And he said, mate, this guy is fucking surfing as good as anyone in the world. Like, you, you put his small wave game against Philippe, you put his small wave game against Italo, and he's right there. And I think his Instagram is saying that he's right there. The The way that he's generating speed and the smoothness of it, he's not fighting to get that speed, man. It's just under his heels the second he gets to his feet. And that's to say nothing of the fucking cunt in big waves. Like, we don't even... We haven't had the opportunity to get proper Jacko in that eight to 15 to 16 8 to 15 foot bombing chopes pipeline and all those ways where he's John John level oh yeah so I mean, like, there's been a couple moments you, you that, put that together mate mm. you've got world champion all over the place a hundred percent yeah interesting you know talking about Creed's versatility mm. uh just such a stylish rail game crazy punts I mean Jack Robbo and Creed childhood rivals childhood sparring partners and he really is in that conversation too with just the most electric jazzy freeform rail game and just the perfect punt game mm. so progressive so big so skits there were a couple moments in psycho cones of mortal conequence that uh, i think it was a 957 against slater in the the round one at pipe that was fucking wild come flying out of a breathing chandeliering end section of pipe like batman and uh that fucking eight foot widow maker on the mm. four foot day at chopes that weird one that just lurched out of the That's deep right. ocean yep. black death written all over it but uh yeah i mean so good to see him in his personal life, you know, deeply in love with his partner. And he's formed a really solid connection with a, a really strong and supportive woman and wife. So stoked for him, man. I mean, like Creed, you know, they also, funnily enough, went through some pretty 
I'm going to say traumatic, like uh, formative years. Mm. So great, great to see him form that connection. And so crazy that he barely kept his spot on tour, uh, only to then just go on a skits run that would have ended in a world title had the final not been decided in fucking sideshow mush. Pure shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, that. the thing is, I guess, about world tour surfing at that level, it is so hard to find your rhythm up against your David Silvers and, uh, you know, whoever else in those opening rounds, these grindy Brazilian guys who are always going to put up sevens and sixes. Mm -hmm. And uh, unless you are just got your head in the game completely, it's very hard to just match the consistency of Brazilian surfers, especially when you're relying on that intuitive free form style of surfing. But once it clicks, it's fucking unbeatable. And Jack Robbo is it's bordering clicking, mate. On, on unbeatable as long as the waves show up. Yep, yep. It's clicking. It's clicking all right. But I, I reckon uh, Robbo is tapping into the Brazilian storm energy. Like, he spends a lot of time in that bubble with all of that fizzing belief. Like, you know, uh, Yago Dora is probably the closest thing he has to a sparring partner. Yago's old man is his sort of coach. Mm. Uh, Leonardo Dora, yeah, the ex-punk a- rock, skate, surf, shops, shaman. And, and pro server. And Paige's point was that, you know, he's tapping into the love and the energy and the momentum that they've got. And uh, it's working for him, man. You know, it's, he, he doesn't... Uh, look, don't get me wrong. He's flying the Aussie flag. Like, well, he's tapping in with time. the Aussies a bit too. I believe in, in Chopes, he was part of the, the kind of training brigade. Was he not at the end well, of the road? It's, it's perfect timing because the Aussies are coming from a place of grit mm. and the Brazilians are coming from a place of pure momentum. Like, they've had it for a long time now. So... He's got that mix of both. And I think you need to have both. I, I think for for him to win a world title, he's going to have to tap into that grit. Because like, that kind of, if you think back to the WSL finals day, it just he was a little bit flustered. Hey, that, that heat was just all over the shop. His decision-making was a bit here and there. I don't think you'll ever see him surf a heat that bad again. Mm. But, yeah, man, I'll tell you, far out, it, it's good to watch. And... Um, it just was not that long ago, you know, Sean O'Doherty was writing in Surfing World, like, what is actually on tour for guys like John and Jack who have stood in the belly of the most fucking terrifying waves you can possibly imagine? Like, where do they get that same feeling out of competition? He was saying that that's the challenge that the John Johns and the Jacks face. And you can kind of, you, you do, it's a good point. Oh, it's a great point. It's a point. really good point. I mean, look, as like long if, as... if you're watching Nathan Florence, if you're John John watching Nate get barreled and you're doing your knee in two foot surf, you, you got to be asking yourself, what am I actually doing here? Mm. As long as they're getting their crystals charged in between heats and events, I think that's what's important. As long as they can skip over to some island near the contest site and just pack a couple of filthy orbs of mortal coniquence. And then, uh, you know, that, I guess, keeps the crystals charged, mm. keeps the pineal brimming with vige. And then, I mean, a, a healthy substitute to getting max tunnel time is fucking dominating cunts until they're a crying, watery mess in a heat. <laughs> True. It's a great feeling. Kirk Flinoff takes out the unofficial ride of the year at Cape Salander, according to Tim Benithan, and who knows better than Tim Benithan, who shot oh. more filthy slabs than that mad lensman. The old uh, swell voyeur, eh? The me. old swell peeping Tom, Tim <laughs> Benithan, eh? He's just hiding up in the dunes with his lens, peering oh. into the swells. Mm. 
packet. Secret layer. Oh, yeah, packet. Oh, oh, my oh, God. oh. puss. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Kirky Flynn off. Oh, he's a fucking swell creep. Mate, oh, he's mate, a creep, mate. mate. You can't fucking take your eye off him, mate. When you see that trench coat and that little lens <laughs> just zooming out, a couple of upskirts at the verge, a couple of upskirts at the cape. He's uh, a deviant of the highest order. But, geez, he's good at it. And I'll watch, so his, I'll watch his peeping Tom clips. Oh, his mate, amateur, his snuff movies. His amateur wobble cams all day long. Swell snuff. Yeah, so Kirk is... He's taken out the unofficial ride of the year for a backside paddle effort at Cape Salander that has to be seen to be believed. Vaughn rinsed corn deadly. Reads the boil perfectly. Gets in early. And then the thing just goes thermonuclear. So thick it tries to squeeze him into its colon. But he gets a little puff of speed. Probably from a little black squidding butt squirt of fear. The squirt appears to blind the foam ball monster momentarily. Allowing him to get away. He rides the bucking Bronco. Let's go the rail. And comes flying out straight into an orgy of 21 virgins on a passing schooly on a passing schoolies cruise ship bound for New Caledonia. Ha! You are kidding me! Spock the clip on Timberknife's Instagram. I mean, I've said it once and I'll say it again. If the world tour was held in left rip bowls and skit slabs, he'd have he'd have more world titles than De Goat Vaughan. He was the original Jadson Andre, a king of the air rev, ahead of his time, and a slab shaman par excellence. Well played, Kirk. Well played indeed. Ah, one of the all-time Cronulla greats. Flying the flag at ours and um Yeah, he must have got his his nose out of joint with that whole Maxi McGuigan. Mm. Little, uh, you know, super session that went down over, uh, you know, multiple swells. He just seemed to have it dialed out there, didn't he, Maxie? We had him on the show. He was uh, telling us about his good fortune to just drop everything and get out there whenever it was on. <laughs> Mad but, Max McGuigan. But, Kirky, not to be outdone, uh, packing it. Uh, one of the real standouts, too. One of the few goofs in the Cape Fear there in that year that, you know, fuck, four waves were made. Russell Bjerke took it out. Jughead got slammed on the bottom. And the carpenter from Uber got a ten. I just, I just love him. He's, uh, he's, yeah. He was such a whippet. He was such a skinny, like wiry little air rev guy. Like you said, like, basically a car, our version of Jaddy. Um, but way ahead the of the first curve. guy doing was... air revs in in consistently in heats. Mm. His make rate was epic, but uh, just didn't have the power game. What during his years on tour, it would have been good to see him with uh, more muscle and and, and you know. Uh, just a, maybe a little bit older. Well, I thought the judges didn't years. know what they were looking at they at that point. They didn't know, either. mate. They didn't know. But um, yeah, like nowadays, you know, he just—he's just a beast. He's an absolute beast to, to do that sort of surfing on slabs on your backhand. Like fuck, mate. You see everything. You're not sort of just hugging the wall and keeping your eye on the channel. You you can see every rock. You can see every barnacle. You can see every cuttlefish just skittering across the reef trying to, like, make it to safety before this thing fucking pulverises them. Mm. Uh, there's no escaping it. And to, to ride like he does is fucking magnificent. Uh, great story, of course, uh, with, with Luke Stedman on Steaming Heats about Kirky <laughs> in his early years on tour getting absolutely detonated by a 25-footer at sunset. Luke! Crying! Luke, help! Help me, Luke! Help me, Help me. Help me. <laughs> <laughs>
It's such a bizarre thing because what's he going to do? It's a, a strange cry for oh. help, but who can blame the man? A 15-foot west peak at sunset? Wow. wow. You'll yeah. do strange things when you're confronted with that. Some of the world's greats have been caught in there and lost fucking tears, I tell you. Mm-hmm. So not the only one our Kirky. Nah, but uh, there's no getting caught inside at the Cape. It's all about holding your nerve on the ledge as it boils up and fucking absolutely disembowels itself. And there is a moment where, oh, fuck, man, his positioning on the drop is unbelievable. Mm. He makes it look like a cakewalk, the drop, but then he's so deep and it just attempts to squeeze him, like kind of like just these fucking pussy lips of doom just tightening up, about to fucking absolutely atomize him. And he just stays ahead of it and, and it fucking backwashes and he rides over. Oh, man, it's just a fucking wild make. It's unbelievable that it's a paddle. It's one of the great backside tubes ridden on this continent, I'm calling. Doff of the cap to you, Kirky. Big Doff. much does it cost to get coned? Mm. Uh, there was a great article by Stab on a strike mission to HTs by our old mate, Budzibra, Ty, Buddha Graham, and Kian Martin. And uh, I mean, fuck, they scored up there, but it didn't come cheap. And Stab, bless him, actually crunched the numbers right down to how much it cost per cone. Uh, in the clip, Kian gets roughly eight mind-bending tubes, mm-hmm. and Ty gets six. So uh, for Kian, that, me- that means each stint behind the sparkling curtain cost around $265 US or $412 Aussie. And for Ty, each tubovision was roughly worth $352 US or $550 Australian and mm. th- so the strike miss- mission cost a total of uh, $3,300 Aussie for f- two full days of skits vige. It just really had me questioning are we mad? Uh, I mean, how much loot do you reckon you've blown on surf trips in your lifetime? And you know, how much more money would you have if you didn't surf? And how financially ruinous is this pastime? We all mm. just bankrupting ourselves for the sake of the Vishnu? Good question. Great breakdown. Uh, risk versus reward is the lifeblood of the surf trip. Uh, the bigger the gamble, the more satisfying the payout, except that when you don't score, the feeling is quite similar to being kneecapped by some fucking aggro bookie with a fucking crowbar and a, <laughs> you know, a couple of fucking hoods. Uh, and you're nuts in a vice. So, um, I don't know. Most of my surf trips... Uh, ones I've paid for, you know, where you, 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 you're outlaying a big chunk of money just to go surfing. Um, I think they've had their moments, you know, like I wouldn't say I've scored start to finish. You get like one day here or a session there. So in that regard, uh, once you pan out the rubbish and you're only counting the nugs, Smith, I reckon you're probably paying not too dissimilar to what uh, Buddha and Kian are paying. You know, like if if you really think like what waves did I get that you would pay fucking three hundred bucks for? There'd probably only be about fucking six at most, even on a full blown men's trip. So I don't know. Like you know, you, you're not um, you're not just paying for the waves, right? You're paying for the experience of being away with your mates, for doing this and that. Like this is a strike me show. It's slightly different. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like if 
if that's what you're actually looking for, just those fucking moments of vish, spend big. Just do it. Do the fucking strike mission, mate. I mean, what else are you going to spend your fucking hard earned on? Like little packets of dental anesthesia that clog up your sinuses and give you the fucking most heinous gassy farts and fucking instant diarrhea? <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what people are spending their 300 bucks on on the weekend. Mm. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just worth bearing. Well, what do you compare it to? Like uh, the Viz is with you forever. Forever. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's funny how you can remember every stinking detail of every proper pit you ever packed. Mm. It's it's like a weird parallel I have with uh, large doses of psilocybin and LSD. I remember every fucking moment of every big psychedelic journey I've had mm. on medicinal uh, substances like that. Much the same in the cone zone. So, uh, yeah, you know, it is with you for a lifetime. And I guess in those dark and dour moments, you can, you know, flash back to a big pit at Pedang or rifles or wherever it was that you you snaffled. Uh, snaffled. But, yeah, it's, it's worth bearing in mind. You kind of have to... Uh, really think long and hard about the resource expenditure behind a surf trip. Otherwise, you can fucking kind of lose yourself in surfing. It can become uh, a pretty disastrous addiction that leaves you with not much money and uh, destroyed relationships <laughs> and fucking terrible job prospects. It is a balancing act. As much as we want to expound on the benefits of surfing, it can be unhealthy at times. But the 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 likelihood of anyone really doing more than one or two of these trips a year in in real life, you know, Buddha and and Kiana, are, they're they're living that dream. Like their their job, Kiana is is a paid pro surfer. Buddha is a surf guide a lot of the time, aside from all these other businesses in Bali. But you know, he's he is a swell chaser. The rest of us have full time jobs, and we we have this opportunity once a year to spend some money that we've saved up to go get barreled. I think it's money well spent. Ah, I agree. But I'm not just talking about the strike mission. Those strike missions can also just be in your local suburb where you can spend fucking an hour and a half checking spots. Mm. You know, that that addiction, the obsession with just getting the squeezing that lemon, getting every last drop out of it. Yeah. Uh, is there, it doesn't it, feel like a choice when it's on either. Like It just feels like you, 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 your fucking energy is just fizzing out. You're just like skitzing going, fuck, got to get in the car. Like you just, you know, every, every pit, decision's under pressure. Yeah, you know there's Wild. pits around and you can't settle for less. And that's the danger. Uh, it doesn't just apply in the archipelago. It applies mm. in all corners and every potential moment that, you know, I don't know, know what you call him, fucking... The surf raptor, the gambler with his sticky neon claws mm. can come out of your glove box and just grab you by the throat and say, you're getting cone cunt, no matter what. <laughs> you can cough up half a day uh, too many times during a week and yeah, you can really end up behind the eight ball vaughn. I just don't know what else I'd be doing with my time that would be better. Like, I, I can't think of, uh, like, it's so rare for really pumping surf to coincide with, like, anything that is more important. I can't think of it. Mm. So those strike missions, they're worthy. Mm. I think the karmic payoff is that you'd have to live the rest of your life doing shit you hate doing a lot of the time. Mm. So, uh, yeah, fucking go for it. There's such Spend a, the coin. The, Get out there. There is such a balance there, isn't there, where you have to really, really be conscious of the joy of a fucking crazy session. But too many crazy sessions in a row or, or too much chasing of waves mm. really seems to 
water down the experience of actually getting good waves. You know, you know how you can kind of surf when you don't feel like it? That's when you shouldn't be surfing. Yeah. You want to build up the froth to a point where it's fizzing out of your nostrils and eyeballs and cornhole, and you, then you want to just go rinse. You want to go rinse that corn. Yeah. And uh, that's... That's how to do it. There's a balance there that we all need to be conscious of, Vaughn. Oh, I, I totally agree. I think that like the, the best waves that you have caught in your life tend to happen in these moments of like real well, perfect synchronicity where you are just in the right place at the right time. Like you got to the car park exactly when you should have. You paddled out exactly when you should have. You might have got caught inside by the first wave of the set. That pushed you back a little bit, but you got out there. That sort of sucked a bit of your energy out anyway, so you're a little bit calmer. Um, it's it just the way, like the, the sequence of events that has to be perfect for you to get a, a memorable wave in your life, like a proper stamped and tattooed into the, into the stoke glands mm. uh, is so phenomenal. Like, so that, yeah, you're right. Like hunting that and just fully chasing that all the time can be uh, it can be an experience that actually turns you bitter and mm. makes you angry. FOMO, but, the I, fear of missing out. Yeah. Comparison is the enemy but of joy. I've always been one, Smithy, for just being so stoked when those things all come together. And, and I'll, I'm, I'm happy to wait for them. But, yeah, I, I definitely don't have an issue with uh, spending the coin and, and trying to put yourself in the right place at the right time. It doesn't seem like whether it's, uh, you know, the payout is is literally monetary or whether it's a, a different kind of payout where, you know, yeah, you go like, fuck, waves are cooking, but it's mum's birthday. I'll go and I'll do the right thing. You know what I mean? Like you, you just, you got to work, walk that fine line. And hopefully the universe says, here you go, cunt. Here's your little moment. Torching your life savings on chasing watery wormholes. Over. 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 So it turns out weed me old friend, the ganja, is actually pretty fucked for you. That is according to the Huberman Lab podcast. Andrew Huberman, mm-hmm. a leading neuroscientist, been on Joe Rogan a few times. Uh, highly recommend the podcast. But yeah, so, you know, obviously I'm often expounding the benefits of packing cones and getting cones. But, Vaughn, ultimately, I am led by the science. And the science says weed, when smoked chronically, which is two or more times a week, can actually cause depression. It's got a pretty high strike rate of causing depression. And depression is a fucking kind of a thing. You don't want that. Uh, That's for sure. You want to avoid it at all costs. So just a a little PSA to all the swellians out Mm. there who might be listening. Be very careful the ganja it is a <clears throat> far from benign plant medicine that should be used in ceremonial and very intentional medicinal settings uh, you know good for nausea good for pain can quieten down the amygdala which is the threat detection system in the brain which is usually overactive after a poor sleep um, or some triggering episode so you know it has its place but that place is not to be smoked recreationally. Mm. Um, I've always sort of believed that anyway. I've uh, always been around smoking my whole life. I've been uh, had many, many mates who hit the bong extremely hard during high school, never really let it go uh, as they hit their 20s, and uh, depression was a fairly common theme throughout most of their lives. Um, yeah, mate, I, I think anything like that, like, fuck... You just, just moderation, man. 
moderation, pick and choose your moments. Don't get up in the morning, lung a hot one, and think that you're going to be fucking sweet for the day because it's going to come back and get you. Mm. I suggest taking out the tobacco. That really, I think, uh, spoils or augments the medicinal effect of it and can have you cringing for joints or, or cones when in reality what you're cringing for is the tobacco and not the weed. There is not much in the way of an addictive quality to the actual plant itself. Mm. It's the backy. So get rid of that and just be careful out there. Uh, we really care about our listeners' mental health and marijuana. You know, most indigenous cultures have understood the pitfalls of pack and rompers for thousands of years. Uh, I, I spoke mm. to a plant medicine expert once, which, you know, I'm sure it was at a doof called Earth Frequency, but nonetheless, she mm. was onto it. And she told me that uh, in indigenous cultures, it's understood that uh, smoking too much marijuana can result in dark spirits attaching themselves to you. So uh, caught dark spirits, caught depression, two sides Mate. of the same coin. Be careful, Swillians. Yeah, uh, under. 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 I'll tell you, Vaughn, there is, when I look at my Instagram feed, it just seems like on every second slide, mm. I'm staring straight into some long, white, stringy semen. Uh, yeah. I mean, Torrin Martin is one such long, White stringy oh, semen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, I see where you're going. Uh, yep, John yep, John yep. Florence is the other. Both. You know, they're they're an archipelago or two apart, mm -hmm. but they're both semen out there on boats charting unsurfed or barely surfed atolls and reef breaks, scoring skits Vishnu and uh, both with their misses as co-pilots, first mates, whatever you want to call them. Uh, incredible. So, yeah, you know, just big doff of the cap to a couple of core lords scoring max conage more than likely at the expense of their relationships. I just spawned. saw uh, the last... It's a, it's a very small space, but I mean, these well, guys... it's a tried are, and tested okay. passage to relationship failure, the surf trip, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, well... Take your missus on a surf trip and uh, kiss that relationship. The Albie Mangles uh, road test is, is a good example of what happens when you... Not too many of his relationships survive the road. Smithy, let me put it that way, but... I'm just blown away, man. I thought uh, this trip uh, of John John's, you know, just disappearing onto the ocean. I thought he might never come back. Mm. I thought he might just sail over the horizon and we'd never see a sign of him ever, ever again. Just uh, uh, just memories of like a random crook neck beard somewhere in our minds, a couple of sessions at Chopu and, and that's about it. And off he would have disappeared with, you know, to go and live that sort of uh, reclusive, true ocean going into the wild existence. But um, I saw his last captain's log from his, his boat just this morning saying that he's going home to get ready for the world tour. And as much as I love the idea of the, uh, the romantic ocean going stringy white semen, I have to say, Smithy, that uh, my lips are starting to moisten up at the thought of uh, John John... Gabe Medina, uh, Philippe Toledo, oh. Idolo Piara, Jack Robbo, Ethan Hewing, Griffin Colapinto, Kanoa Igarashi, and maybe let's chuck in O'Leary Bra or Cal Robson or Robo. Liam O'Brien maybe or some of the new contenders. Fuck, next year's going to be good on that CT, man. Like this is 
this could be the year we've been waiting for. All the big dogs there, all healthy, oh. all recharged, and just fuck, mate. Ooh, but uh, I mean, you know, fuck. The wave pool's there, so we've got to have to deal with that. Oh. Oh, why can't we just have Cloud Break, G-Land, Lakey Peak? Fucking why can't we get these guys in some decent surf? Why are we fucking around? Why are we diluting the product with dirty fucking piston chlorine and sideshore Bondi cigar riddled trestles I'm when... Oh, this it just makes no sense bad old days, Smithy. Like, well, we're not following summer around. We... Need to get these guys in some waves of conequence. Oh, anyway. But, uh, yeah, back to the uh, ocean-going natural footers. Yeah, so, well, Torrin, uh, obviously we had him on the program in a quick little great, break. Great chat. Fuck, yeah. that was good. I, I encourage all Swellians, if, if you've mixed, missed it in the mix of uh, just all well, the fucking tsunami of content we've been putting up, go back to Core Lords. It's Core Lords episode, isn't it? Torrin Martin. and yep. Sort of get a, a bit of an idea of the the fucking mechanics of like what he's been going through just to even get to Indonesia. Mm. Mechanics is a apt choice of word because that's exactly what went wrong recently Mm. uh, after returning to the journey from our podcast studio. Fuck. They came a cropper as, you know, seems like an inevitability given his history. Well, not even anything to do with him. It's just a part and parcel of these long voyages in areas with uncharted reefs and just fuck, mate. It's just what happens in boats. You know, you can't just go to a mechanic when shit goes wrong. Nah. You're fucking eight hours from anywhere. So uh, this is what he had to say on Instagram. We had a bit of a scare mid-passage a couple of nights ago. Pretty zonked after a long day sailing in a confused sea. It was just after 12 a.m. I was on the way to wake Ayana up for her watch shift and I checked the bilge to discover that we were taking on quite a lot of water and the engine was about to be completely swamped. I could hear water gurgling in rapidly from under the engine but wasn't able to get a full visual on what was going on under there. Initially, the bilge pump wasn't getting power but after some scratching around and a few long minutes, we were able to pump out water faster than what was coming in and at least monitor the amount of water we were taking on. We made the decision to change our course and head back 30 miles, which is six hours, to the nearest island. On the reverse tack and still under full sail, we were taking on significantly less water and fears of sinking in the deep, dark blue kind of drifted away. At first light, we made it back to calmer water and an anchorage where we could make a bit more sense of things. And after diving the hull and not discovering any structural damage and eliminating all the sea cocks, we worked out that the non-return valve in the pump had failed and water was coming back through the bilge pump into the bottom of the, hu- into the, bottom of the hull. It was a scary little situation for a couple of rookie sailors and another thing learned about boats. Wow. That sounds terrifying. I mean, I can't imagine having to get up in the middle of the night and eliminate seacocks. Mm. That's, uh, How do you get rid of them? <laughs> scrape them off the side of your boat with a, some kind of uh, paint scraper? Can you imagine that? <laughs> Is what it seacocks or seacocks? No, I said seacocks there. I can just imagine. Just yeah. I've seen it before, actually, Is in my travels. about sea cucumbers? Yeah, there's, well, I mean, it's a cousin of the sea cucumber. Yeah, right. It's just a big... 
green and white fucking schlong. Wake up! The bilge is full of sea cocks! <laughs> yeah, it gets worse though when you go downstairs and you see there's just, they're crawling all over his street and he can't oh, even God. get a word out because they're stuffed in his mouth and he's just gargling <laughs> sea cock. Whoa! Whoa! He's got! He's got! He's The sea has monsters. Giant, terrible beasts. But none inspire more dread or fear than the mythical great Sea Cock. Steady yourselves, mates, for this is a true story. Well, here is the legend of the Thingaloo, the world's most mighty ship. Held the bodies and the souls of 300 men from its asshole to its tip. All praise the Fingaloo, they sang from the port as she sailed that day. Nobody could have known the fate that lay in the great ship's weight. Weeks went by with no sight of land, and the men did hit their rum. And the big black clouds pouring off the bow told of trouble sure to come. The winds were strong and the seas were rough, but the Fingaloo stood firm and tough. When down in the galley came a mighty thud As though the ship was struck by the fist of God Well the seamen ran to the starboard deck And to a man they were all in shock Before their eyes was a beast in breach T'was the feared great white sea cock And it rose from the sea four hundred feet tall And it spat from its eye an obnoxious pull And the men did pray as they were showered in spray As the great white cock then began to fall And it fell full weight on the finger loo And the once great ship was now in two And the ghosts of the men hold the ports and docks And if you listen to the wind you might hear them sing I fucking hate sea cocks I hate them too I fucking hate sea Great white sea cocks, especially. Oh, wow. Well, um, mate, uh, you can't help but read these these captions and, and like, you know, you, you look at in awe at these guys, man. Like, what what John John's doing is giving him an understanding of ocean that seldom pro surfers have ever had. Is is there a pro surfer who has ever sort of understood this sort of like? Deep, deep ocean knowledge. Like I can't the, think of one, the hey. moods of it, like the the intimacy of, of knowing just how it all works. It's almost like um, it reminds me of like what Vinny was saying about getting into gardening. Like you, you, you Jake sort of Vincent at the Swellness. Yeah, sorry, about yeah, just to context contextualize that. But he got up and he's like, "Yeah, I started gr- growing a bit of food." Next thing, I, I just sort of got more and deeper and deeper into it, and I started understanding like why the natural edibles survive where they do and and then like how to actually grow these sort of introduced fruits and vegetables and make it work within the ecosystem and like all of that is really similar like john john's in the octopus's garden and he's just sort of doing all his own permaculture in this sailing experience it's been so long since we've really been able to just marinate in how good john john surfs like I don't know where I was, but I saw this one wave of him in just huge, crazy, thick chopes, maybe, or big cloud break, something like that. And it was just like, I was just going, oh my God, this guy's the best surfer in the world. Like, no question. There is no question. And now you pile on this like encyclopedic experience of what an ocean actually is on top of everything that he already does and the feel that he already has for it. Like, how can he be beaten? Mm. 
How? Well, even one foot surf, he's going to have a different understanding of it. The way that the wind fucking controls it and, and generates it compared to anyone else. Mm. It's, it's a good point. It's mind, it's mind a good blowing. point. And it's a, a good comparison you draw with Jake Vincent's permaculture to uh, sailing unaccompanied around the world. Because, uh, I mean, well, there is a couple of slight differences. I mean, in one case, you might uh, get a bindi in your hand or get stung by a mosquito or fall face first into some manure. And in the other, you sink in the darkness six hours from land. Like a choking on seacock. Wild choking on seacock. <laughs> Nothing worse. Oh, it terrifies me. It really taps into all of my most uh, deep-seated fears. Drowning in the darkness, strangled by a human centipede of seacock. Fucking hell. Wow. I mean, you thought maybe Dick was an ancient and fearful parable. What about the seacock? Where's, where's the, oh. the novella about the seacock, Vaughn? The deep seacock oh, coming out I, of the depths. Oh, I challenge you, Smithy, to write either a haiku or some sort of poem about the seacock. Moby Dick-esque. I think Can you please I, do it? I think what I will do is actually draw some kind of, uh, you know, Renaissance painting of a boater being <laughs> captained by a John John coming up against this giant angry seacock <laughs> rearing out of a stormy ocean. There's John with his trident jabbing at it. Stay back, seacock! I can see it. Yes, uh, I'll have to get the watercolours out, Vaughn, and paint that because I, I think it's it's worth documenting. Oh, please do. But what was the uh, tie-in with the permaculture? Well, the tie-in, the comparison, I mean... Oh, the cucumbers and the sea cucumbers, of well, course. Well, yes, yeah. and just the similar levels of danger that exist in both pursuits. True. I mean, why not uh, just... You can DIY permaculture, you can DIY sail around barely charted reefs. It's quite the same thing. We've got to get uh, Aussie right on. He, his grandma, mm. in her 60s... Uh, this is, uh, Sorry, Torrin and John John would freak on this if they knew, but... His grandma just did a, a navigation course using a sextant and maps and, and, and a compass. That's, that's all she had, right? And she just got in this little boat and sailed around the world counterclockwise. So, like, sorry, the, the opposite way to how everyone else does it. You know, like went, I think, to Europe and then back across the Pacific. I think that's, you know, normally you'd, you'd sort of follow the roaring 40s and go up through the Pacific mm. first. I, I don't know exactly. Wasn't what she on her way to some fucking flute festival or some shit in Something. Northern England? Yeah, that's right. She was on her way to a flute festival and she went there and she got all the way back to fucking Australia to a hero's welcome. The whole, she was coming back into Pitwater. She was living on the Northern Beaches and crashed into fucking Lion Island and sank. <laughs> like with what? Four hundred meters to go, not even. Ah, oh, it's amazing. But she's a, a maritime hero. Uh, can't remember Anne Gash. That's her name, Anne Gash. So uh, yeah, check that out. Madness. To our stringy seamen out there in the depths, banging the seacocks, giant seacocks, a massive over, over, over.
Does John John Flowers have Kelly Slater's foreskin in his knee? Does Gabby shave the bits of skin that none of us can see? If you drag your filthy corn home down to the face of the old man pipe, will sparks fly from a lack of comet across the lonely night? Are the wazzles judges crazy? Have they fucking lost the brief? Would shame her and take Prophets will apply So scoff your shoes And ask us a question We will speak no lies Ask us a question We'll tell you no lies Ask us a question We'll tell you no lies Smithy, I, uh, I'm so stoked to be doing another regular ep. It has been a while. I've been loving like all the different sort of little programs that we've been launching on uh, our platform, Ain't That Swell, and uh, daily content drops been really fun. Mm. I, I, I didn't think it would be as fun as it has been. I, I thought that it might feel like a bit of a chore, but actually it's had the reverse effect for me. I'm feeling energized and charged up, but I miss just getting to sit here and chat with you, mate. You know, mm. about... Uh, the was about long stringy semen about seacocks. Mm. I miss this, this mm. banter. Yeah, it's crucial, critical ingredient to the culture, Vaughn, and you but, can't remove it. When when you remove it, it loses its way. We are the stringy semen on the forefront of surf culture. Don't get it mixed up. No, and I, I actually, this is the other section I, I really miss a lot, and that's that's uh, ask us a question with our good friends, the Swellians. If you ask me. So let's get into it. Our first Swellian is none other than um, the voice of surfing, you could say, Chris Cote. Um, when he, the goat digs a moat and mics up Chris Cote, that's Lamore. And uh, Cote was interested in the Swellness Summit. He said, what was the best story of personal growth you have heard from the Swellian, from a Swellian who attended the Swell Summit? Mate. That is a sick question, and and there were plenty. There was many, many people who, who really are far out. Opened up quick, quickly. I, I like. I guess I was surprised in some ways, just of the reaction of people without having to say stuff. Like I was uh, sitting with our mate uh, Hendo George Henderson, and he did his first ever breathwork class, and I looked at him afterwards, man, and he was bawling his eyes out. And it wasn't because he was, it was bringing up past traumas or because he was tapping into something that he was, um, you know, not connecting with. It was because he felt so fucking overwhelmingly good after the breath work that it, it, it completely just shocked him. Mm. Into, shocked him into tears. I cried three times during that event. Uh, twice was during the podcast with the military veterans, mm. Benny and Nath, which was followed up That's by Oli... Doucet telling his insane tale of survival. Oh, that was unbelievable. I mean, and, and breaking down while he told it. And, you know, it's just there was not a dry eye in the house. But the other time was during the Wim Hof on the day three when I was a bit tired and a little bit hungover. And what I realized, what I realized about crying is that, and, and this occurred to me during a fucking tremendous dose of LSD, 
uh, a few years ago. But what tears are, it's poison coming out of your face, uh, coming out of your body. It, it, it's actually toxins. Uh, I don't have any science to back this up, but during this psycho dose of LSD, I remember thinking about some fucking heavily traumatic things that had happened and that had just never really left me, that were just sewn into me. And it started out as this feeling in my gut and I watched it move from my stomach, like this pain in my stomach. And I was watching it move up through my intestines, through my chest. And then it just came spewing out of my eyes in the form of like what looked in that heavily uh, psychedelic trip I was in, like all these little pellets of poison. And it was a cleanse. It's a full purge, a full cleanse. And what I realized when I was crying again on that day three during the group Wim Hof was that it was, again, just releasing poison in the form of tiredness, uh, probably some alcohol or whatever it was. It was in my system at that point. Mm. And I imagine it was the same with George. Uh, You know, just, you know, it's a cathartic release. But the point I'm making is that men never permit themselves to cry. It's Mm. not even permitted in the culture of being a male. Women cry all the fucking time. They'll Mm. cry at the drop of a hat, literally. You know, like, my fucking hat blew off. Then it landed. Dirt. There's soil on it. <laughs> and that's healthy. Uh, funnily enough, it, w- there's just no stigma attached to crying with women. It, and, and I feel like that's one of their main coping mechanisms for life. And it's, it's um, could be the reason why they're not fucking hell bent on war and domination and greed and all kinds of other horseshit. Mm. Maybe why women are concerned with service and men are concerned with power, as the adage goes. Mm. But crying is healthy, and tears were shed a lot during that mm. event, and that was just part of the magic of it. It was wild. That often during Wim Hof, I saw many people breaking up, and what a rad thing to be a part of. I asked James, uh, the Wim Hof instructor, about this because I said, "Look, man, we've only done four rounds of Wim Hof. I do six on a daily basis, and I fucking never even felt slightly like this. Mm. You know, why do we feel like this after doing it as a group?" And he goes, "Look, man, I could talk to you about the science of this method all day long, but there's nothing in the science about that. Mm. There is just some magic to doing it together. Um, in terms of transformative stories." Like, they were fucking everywhere, yeah, man. Yeah. You couldn't turn around without finding some battler who'd been through the ringer of life. Uh, I mean, the military veterans, fuck, mate. Like, those guys were so buzzed and charged up after mm. this event. And these guys, you know, you know, fuck, man. I, uh, you know, they one of them had tried to take his own life with pills before. The other was talking about how the only time he ever gets to see his military mates is at funerals, which is usually due to suicide. Like mm-hmm. these guys are crippled with PTSD. I shouldn't say crippled; they were crippled, or you know, they have dealt with serious trauma, mm-hmm. having seen mates blown apart and, and shot up next to them, and they were fucking frothing at having ripped in alongside everyone else. Uh, there was another story of the guy in the ice bath. You'll tell Troy, me yeah, uh, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing his name, but I'm sure he wouldn't. He, he came down solo. Uh, he had mates down there, but he, he did the travel on his own, and um, he just lost his wife, uh, I think, a year ago. And, yeah, he jumped in the ice bath and um, just became emotionally overwhelmed within 30 seconds. And um, James, again, Jimmy Tranter, the guy who uh, helped us out and was our sort of shaman through the uh, the Wim Hof and the Icy's, he just said to him, like, look, th- that's going to happen. 
it, it, it will trigger things. Uh, you know, if you if you're not used to it, that that sort of shock, that physical shock, will will connect emotionally as well. But you know, the next day he had another crack at it, did the three minutes, and um, you know, I, I can't explain what or how that is transformative, but it was hugely healing, and I think it gave uh, you know Troy a lot of strength, not just to be able to get through that, but the camaraderie around him, the support that was there. And um, yeah, as you said, that that sort of connectivity of doing all these things together. Uh, and I know that he was really enjoying himself. Uh, you know, a good mate of Pagey's, which is uh, far out, man. You, you're going to spend a lot of time laughing and smiling when you're with Pagey anyway. But uh, I just, I, l- I really look forward to sharing these these workshops and these podcasts in, in the coming mm-hmm. weeks. It's going to be fun. Shout out to Ronnie Newell, the Indigenous elder from, I think his country is Cape York and Central Queensland, but you know, jumping in the ice and he had a lot to say. Uh, in fact, let's hear from him. Let, let's, take, let's take one of the testimonials we recorded on the day from Ronnie. It was just a great weekend. Actually, I got invited down from uh, Central Queensland, nearly to Cape York, actually. So I've come down and represent part of the surfing culture down this way. And it's brought me a lot of knowledgement, encouragement, uh, being healthy and fit. And it's, it's given me a positive attitude to everything that I've been developing and using this role with our communities. So to link up with all world professional people, world class people, Australian national title holders here, it's an amazing event to be connected with Swell. Uh, it's, I've heard them once before, this is the first time I've ever been here, so I'm, I'm appreciated with everything that's been happening, the, the people, the community, where we are, Crescent Heads, how can you beat it? You know, one day you come up to my land and hopefully do one on our land, you know, which is Agnes Waters and North. You know, so we've got other things and deals, so staying fit and healthy, let's stay into it. That's awesome. And it, it was endless. You know, everyone had similar things to say. Even the, the mental health professionals that we had at the event, uh, like Rashi Dungawala, she's been to many wellness events. Um, Kirsten, our yoga teacher, like they were tripping on how powerful it was. Mm. They'd never experienced anything like it. And that's what these people do for a living. And it just goes to show what happens when, uh, you know, a fucking handful of battlers you know, really do the work together, challenge themselves. My dog just really oh. is challenging us with some serious oh. mana. Days uh, <laughs> of oh, filthy hellfart. Wow. That's a full micro Guinness fart, that one. Wow. Hey, yeah. uh, just on the Swellness Summit there, Smivy, Clay Fox 89. Swellian Summit looked unreal. What's cracking with a stop off in the UK? Either a live show or a Swellness Weekender. Plenty of Swellians on the ground here, boys. Time it for a cold autumnal swell window, and I'll provide the fresh lib caps. Mmm, lib caps? Is that uh, some reference to seacocks? What is that? Oh, UTFS. Uh, I reckon it must just be the uh, maybe the liberation caps. Mm. I'll just I'll take it as that anyway. A few geezers at the Swellness event too. Uh, shout out to Andy, our oil and gas rig veteran with the Mondo Mullet and uh, Chris Kane who's actually from Northern Ireland. Fucking classic. Uh, fuck, there were some characters down there. Pep, the Aztec from Porto Escondido. Mm, he was a classic. Oh, the list goes on. Uh, Poor Lords galore. Yeah, Matty Klaibs has uh, 
ch- ch- chipped in here too. Yeah, or just one central Euro one, maybe in Le Foray, north of Hossega. Hossegor, a, a famous um, 1990s uh, surf party zone when uh, lots of people would camp in Le Foray. And uh, Smithy, you'd be happy to know, Doof Central. So a uh, pretty good spot for it. Pretty piss weak if you ask me. Whatever Trevor wants to know, where the fuck is Surfcore and has he been infiltrated? We get a lot of requests for Surfcore. Mm. He's he's he sort of disappeared into the industry that he moonlights in when he's not, you know, getting around in his Bruce Lee mask, uh, you know, rubbing his bits on Shane Powell's leg. Mm. So I don't know. Uh, I saw him pop up as an digging. E- I saw him pop up as an extra in Elvis Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Oh, did you see him? Mm. No way. No, I didn't see him. I haven't seen the film. I just saw him on the set. Well, uh, Terrapire Richmond, the great Cronulla core lord. Voodoo Magic Man. Voodoo Magic Man and um, band, what, band frequencies or what's... Oh, what's he's his... been in a thousand Fuck. different bands. A great session Dig. muso. Good, good muso. He's the drummer in the Elvis movie. Wow. What about that? Wow. Add another bow to his already decorated cap. Are you kidding me? Yeah, if, you're, uh, if you've... Uh, you know, gone to see the Elvis movie. Keep an eye out for Terrapie on the drums. Cone Vige extraordinaire. Get back on protection, your mark. Gen 4 Surfboards wants to know, Smithy. And this is a really good question. Uh, he's from Snapper Rocks. Fuck, he makes a mean-looking fucking slid. Where do blue bottles come from? Do you have any idea? Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure... That they the history of the blue bottle stems to a CIA program called MK Ultra, uh, in cahoots with, uh, you know, the Reserve Bank, uh, the the chemtrails, very well documented, scientifically proven chemtrails affair, uh, and it's just yet another way to keep people out of the water, away from the surf, because they know of the healing properties and the potential for. Serious systemic change that results from our culture, Vaughn. They're trying to keep us out. They're just little blue pests, like the fucking coppers, that are just trying to sting you all the fucking time. Hope you get the lot, you dog. Brett McManus. Would love to know what you ah, guys have... McManus, I believe. It is exactly that. McManus. <laughs> Would love to know what you guys have planned for the new season. Will you be travelling along with the tour for a bit? Will Ronnie be back in the booth more? And who wins out of a fight, Goat or Gabby? Yeah, we've got plans for uh, sort of the Wasley. It's Swelling Army, for sure. Mm. That's coming back. I will definitely be uh, at Bells and probably Snapper. Maybe Manly as well. A so, psycho uh, beach party with decks and corn galore. Stay tuned for that because the Swelling Army last year, like we had a, what, we had a pretty, for a first run at it, good turnout, good solid Swellians getting down there, living, breathing, pro-surfing. But this year we want to take it to another level. So keep Keep your eye out. There'll be a couple of live shows here and there, but um, yeah, plans are to definitely get the bong on side and head OS for a couple of tours. US, Euro, maybe even Green Room Festival in Japan. Native dogs. Oh, who'd win a fight, Goat or Gabby? Oh, well, I think uh, unless the goat can draw on some ayahuasca and superpowers, I feel like Gabby's going to twist him up like a pretzel and eat him. What, this Gabby into the GGC? I haven't seen him doing much. I don't know. Goat. Goat's a black belt. Well, that's true. Goat so, is a Dewey icon. He's surely not a black belt, though. I think is he, he a black is. belt? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going the goat. A native dog surf wax 
wants to know now that all these pros, now that all these pros even are on paths to spiritual enlightenment and ditched all their bad ways and generally trying to improve as humans, are they still utter pricks in the water and never drop in on the regular Joe anymore? What a good question. Mm, it is See, a good question. It's, it's one thing to talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the talk. Mm. And it's another thing entirely again to not cook the talk with fucking ruthless drop-ins. It's true. I mean, it's, look, it's, I've got a simple... Do you think they just in their heads, they're going, no, nah, man, we're just sharing. We're just sharing, man. Sharing it's all stuff. about sharing, bro. Mm. I've got a simple remedy for this problem, and it is that uh, if a pro surfer or any guy with a sticker on his board fades you merc- mercilessly, uh, threaten to beat the piss out of that cunt, call him onto the beach... Because uh, sure, being a professional surfer makes you very skilled in the water, but it does not. And it puts you at the top of that hierarchy in the ocean. But uh, we don't live in the ocean. At some point, you have to set foot on land. And on land, violence is a far greater uh, or more omnipotent Mm. or powerful way to assert yourself in the hierarchy of humanity. Uh, It's always been my remedy. Uh... Fortunately, I managed to steer clear of crowded lineups for the most part these days. But fuck, I mean, that was always the remedy going back, wasn't it? If a pro burns you, threaten to beat the fuck out of the cunt. Mm. I mean, just because he's good at surfing doesn't mean he's good at holding his hands up. Uh, Jerry Lopez said that, mate. He said, uh, just because I surf good, like, does that make me better than anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I was thinking about this the other day, too. When I was first working for Stab and I was dispatched to all corners of the globe covering the world tour and you know you are kind of thrust into this really almost family style unit where there's these really obviously demarcated places in the hierarchy Mm. and as a result of that you know you're often talked down to or treated as less than and i just remember thinking so often that uh all you know I was at that point still playing A-grade rugby league, freshly uh, sewn together jaw with titanium plates, mm-hmm. swollen knuckles, uh, undiagnosed mental illness and PTSD. And I just remember thinking often like the only thing stopping me from beating the fuck out of this person is a 30 grand annual pay packet. Mm. And that's not a lot. And, uh, I just, yeah, it's a strange, strange paradox when you are thrust into this hierarchy that you don't buy into and don't believe in, mm. and you're getting talked down to by people. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's a mm. weird one. Mm. It's, uh, it, 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 I guess there's like a convention of behavior that can really be upended by one deranged outlier. And uh, I was an outlier, but I never upended it, Vaughn. Mm. I kept my nose clean, so to speak. And uh, only threatened to bash Shorty Smith. So, uh, pretty pretty well played, Smithy. Pretty well played. <laughs> Here's one from Laid Back Chilbro. Go. Is DeGoat the reason Giselle left Tom Brady? How long is an appropriate amount of time to wait for the goat and Giselle to go public with their rekindled love affair? Up the fucking Swellians. Hashtag goat spiracy. Oh, mm, don't look. know about that. I think we're lapsing into the territory of new idea and TMZ. And beach grid. Mm. Uh, there, there's been uh, plenty of speculation on the, the status of Kelly Slater and Giselle. But uh, as far as I know, Kelly's happy. 
happy in his long-term relationship with Kalani and Action, the little chihuahua. And I, I don't see any chance of the GOAT and Giselle rekindling the flames. Maybe I'm sorry to say. Pretty pissed week if you ask me. Moulay wants to know, uh, use erection Kelly will go back to back at pipe if it's pumping UTFS. What do you think? The GOAT could pull off a back-to-back miracle. The numbers aren't really aligning for the GOAT. He likes numbers, like, you know, turning 50. 55 World Tour victories. 55 World Tour. 11 World Titles. Master numbers all over the joint. I don't think he wants to upset the apple cart there and move out of the power number phase. But if the pipeline fully fires, I think he is still the man to beat out there. Yeah. And also, don't forget the Olympics. I think that's the big carrot. Like, Kelly is a a character who said to us, to our faces, directly looking into yours and mine eyes, our seacock eyes. One eye going to each of us. That's right. He said, I'm almost done. I feel tired. I don't know if I've got much left in me. But, mate, pipeline's firing. He gets a win there. The Olympics is dangling like a big old carrot. Who's going to beat him? A year's worth of eating. Kolohe? I don't think so. 12 months worth of eating nothing but seaweed and seacock and ayahuasca and spirit juice. He'll be raring to go. Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Surfer Simon123 has uh, chipped in here, Smithy. Might be a bit early, but if the Wazzle was doing, was doing a nativity play, who would you cast and who would be which character? Love the pod, boys. Great question. Really good question. Like uh, from from the current crop of uh, men's and women's CTs, let's start with Jesus. Who's going to be baby Jesus? Baby Jesus, immaculately conceived in a shower of sparkles from the sky. Mm. Who really represents that archetype? I'd have to go with Jack Robbo. He's just so full of crystallized celestial energy. He could only have come from the sky. Beautiful. What about Joseph and Mary? Joseph, the uh, the man who had to cop this story that his pregnant wife was... Cuckolded by the stars? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're lapsing into some uh, dangerous territory. I don't want to put anyone's nose out of joint on the world tour. But, Gabby, I mean... Uh, I don't have any real reason for saying that apart from he's based overseas and never listens to this podcast. Mm, okay, that's good. <laughs> that's, uh, that's some good background there. Uh, let's just get me uh, a couple. I've got, I've got to entertain the full nativity here, Smithy. Um, who's going to be Mary? The Virgin Mary, pure as the untainted snow. And endowed with all of the riches of the universe. It's clearly Caitlin Simmons. Mm, I think I'm leaning more towards uh, Sally Fitzgibbons for for Mary, just uh, just based purely on the the glow, the aura, she's just got that perpetual state of of just untainted health. Mm, gee, she glows. She's got she it glows. all right. Holy smokes, Sally. radiant. And, and, uh, and then the three wise men, mate. Who have you got for uh, you know the incense, mirth, and and um, chronic North Coast buds? They, yeah. were, they were the three herbs. They, they I'm brought, pretty sure. Yeah, that's right. Well, Tom Carroll undoubtedly bringing the incense. Uh, I think Pagey would be able to rustle up a, you know, he's a fairly wise and fairly good at rustling up an ounce of mid-north coast herb. And BL. The best. BL, That's of it. course. BL, Pagey no and T- TC, the, the three wise men. Love it. Why else is he growing that beard? Hey. But Rushton, private account. 
Boys, should I take a job in Cairns and earn heaps of coin but be days from a surf coast or should I stay down on the New South Wales coast surfing four times a week but continue struggling to put my new put to put new clothes on my poor kids' backs? <laughs> Question answers itself, Bart. Stay in the south coast and keep getting the fish, mate. We already had this discussion. I mean, yes, surfing can be financially ruinous and destroy relationships and create an impoverished future for your children. But on the plus side, you know, consumption's horseshit anyway. Your kids will much prefer you to get coned and teach them the art of getting coned. Mm. Keep your family happy. Keep your children happy. Keep yourself happy. Be one big, happy coning family. Pretty pissed week, if you ask me. Sunny Bunkers. Good question here, Smivy, relating to the Vans Pipeline Masters Invitational. The, uh, the invite list has gone out. Some big surprises in there, mate. One of the biggest is Ando, our boy, Craig Anderson, the cat, getting a fucking call up to the Pipeline Masters, mate. This is music, sweet music to my fucking white hairy ears. So Sonny Bunkers wants to know, will Ando attend the, uh, the Vans Pipeline Masters? I can't imagine he doesn't hate that place. He would absolutely pack the wave, though. Agreed, Sonny. Um... Mate, I think Ando is a fucking red hot chance to win out there. Like, it, it, no, no, no one else in the lineup. Take your pick of the fucking sets and just silky off the bottom, a la Jerry Lopez, cakewalk if you know how, spat out into the channel. I think there's an air component to this year's Pipe Masters. Um, Stabber kind of helping run it, coming out off that end bowl and just launching a big old boned out fucking slob. Put it in the bank, Ando. I mean, rewinding back to, I think it was Slow Dance, and he's surfing 10 to 12-foot pipe on that red single fin. It's some of the most, it's, it's straight up some of the heaviest pipe you can surf, and he's on an archaic relic of a craft, just getting psycho vision and also getting fucking lit up. And let's be real, I mean, the slabs in Australia are far more technical than pipe, especially the ones that he surfs. You know, there's less space, heaps more steps, less predictable uh, the only reason he hates the place is because the same reason most Australians hate the place, and that's because it's a fucking nightmare to get waves in. And give him the selection of, of any wave he wants out there and watch him fucking light the well, joint. Well, mate, Ando being included is fucking high watermark in my, you know, in my view, in terms of just like the, the people you want to see surfing pipe and the pipe masters. You know, like for so long, the CT has just basically arm wrestled this thing into its format but now we're going to see pipe specialists surfing for that crown it was originally an invitational event the very first one jeff hackman uh lopez apparently missed his phone call and didn't get the that's the story but that went for years and um now it's back to what it originally was like the best pipeline surfers getting invited except there's some sour grapes out there in surf world smithy our old mate albie layer who arguably has landed the only 720 in surfing history, pulls in and packs monstro cones at Piahi. No invite, mate. Mm. No invite. And, I mean, part of the reason for that is he spends fuck all time surfing pipe and backdoor, but it's, again, for the same reasons that Ando and Harry Bryant and some of these other guys don't bother surfing it either. It's just a nightmare. There's only... 
a certain kind of surfer who can put up with that sort of a shit fight. And it's it's not for everyone. So, I mean, his omission from the event, I think, is a fucking bit of a disaster. I would have loved to see him in there. Uh, but, you know, there was a bit of whinging going on from some of the underground pipe guys, you know, Landon McNamara and whoever else who, who thought they deserved to start. But, look, the reality is, like, we want to give the best slab shamans on the planet a shot out there. And the best slab surfers on the planet, a lot of them would rather just pack slabs in the middle of the desert or wherever else than jostle with the crowd at pipe. So we never get to see them flex. We don't actually know what they're capable of at that wave. Ando, Harry Bryant, Jacob Wilcox, like there's a long list of guys from this country who are as good as anyone in the history of the game in fucking psycho orbs. Or mm. cones, should I say, of mortal coniquins. Well, mate. Give him a shot. Oh, but could, uh, look, let me read out a few names that I'm excited about and a few names that I, even I was like, you know, batting me eyelids at because I was going, whoa, that's that's a bit odd. But look, we've got Matt Miola is going to be in there. Craig Anderson, as we mentioned, Harry Bryant and Noah Dean, two guys who we know, like the, the rest of the world may not know, but we know what they're capable of in these skitsy-ass fucking slabs oh, in Australia. Noah's packed one of the heaviest backdoor slabs of all time. I think yeah. it was a closeout too, wasn't it? Oh, mate. Fucking monst- mondo. Noah Dean in there is fucking great. Uh, Corley Vast, like surfed probably one of the heaviest waves ever ever surfed at Chopes. Uh, Balaram, Stack. Uh-huh. Fucking incredible. Nick Von Rupp. Zhao Shianka's getting a fucking Guernsey. So there's just quality dripping out of this Kind of tripping field. on Nick Von Rupp, though. I mean, over well, Albie Lay. That's insane to I know, me. And, and I know. putting Matt Mioli in the list and not Albie. Fuck, it's, that's got to hurt. It's like a fucking big old fuck you in a way, isn't it? It's, it's a like, weird popularity contest. But then f- there's like, mate, and no disrespect to these guys, but Rio Wider, like, if they're rewarding him because he's Indonesia's first representative on tour, cool. But... Man, there's no, I, I I can't remember a single heaving slab that I've seen him pack, you know, uh, that that would justify this invite. Uh, Mikey February, another guy who kind of can beautiful style. He's on the Vans team, so they've got that sort of option. But again, like, where's the fucking, where's the grit? Mm. Uh, and and even Tosh Tudor, I know he does surf pipeline a lot. He's got good style. He's on the Vans team. Uh, it's just that these are the names that I see Albie Layer like lying in bed doing fucking cartwheels, just like you mm. know tossing and turning, thinking about oh how did this happen to me again? Like, and he, he's he's not happy. Nah. No, bed karate to look wee small hours, I'd Do, imagine. To take us through his, his uh, p- post here. Okay, so here's what he had to say. I've spent most of the 31 years of my life giving every fibre of my being to this sport, and it still likes passing me over every chance it gets. I never got used to it, and I never will. Now, Billy Kemper has chimed in there. Come surf pipe for once before you start another sob story. You, you still owe... Mark Healy, a session out there on mushrooms. Laughing face. Uh, and then Kelly Slater chiming in there. Ha, ha, ha. Albie, just come and surf pipe every swell with 70 people out and relived your Malia frustration over and over. That's uh, freight trains. Mm. But for real, maybe they should have put half the field up for nominations by by the first half they put in. It would be cool. Nice yeah. of Kelly to always offer a solution, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it is like Albie doesn't even exist at times. I mean, there he was at freight trains, 
best well of the last 20 years, waits two hours for a wave, uh, only for some filthy drop-in artist to absolutely stuff him deep in the pit, forcing him to uh, wrangle with the foam ball monster. It was like he wasn't even there. Could it be, Smithy, that just constantly public shaming these fucking giant corporate organisations with billions of dollars is not the way to go about getting an invite. Yes. Could it be that that's bad for business? Could it be that having a good old spray about how unfair life is just makes you seem like a sour cunt? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When someone cries about not getting invited to your party, like, do you invite them? Mm. Uh, well, I mean, I've always... Look, I run off the metric... Why isn't Albie invited to your party, Smithy? Mm. Why well, not? Well, if it was my surf party, he'd be invited. He'd be the first guy invited to my surf party, especially if that surf party was to be held a 10 to 12-foot pipeline. Mm. And especially with an air component? Like, fuck, man. He's going <laughs> to hit that end bowl at backdoor and fucking probably do some sort of inverted flip or, or a double rotation or something that is in the pocket of what they want to see out there. Well, I mean, what's the whole Tosh- criteria is built around it. And what are we going to expect from Tosh Tudor doing a corrupt on a mid-length coming out of one of the back door? It's uh, all a little bit in the realm of unlikely. Mm. Anyway, looking forward to seeing Ando out there, mate. Go on, Ando. Ando has up. This one's from Jack Bain, mate. Smith and Deadly, does the Woz have it out for Goofies? I feel sorry for someone like O'Leary Zebra who has to do a 1,000 backside Rios and wobbly rides before going the only proper left once a year at Chopes. The only forehand rap you'll get as Goofy is at Lemoore. It's a fucking disgrace. Hope the Wazzle get the fucking lot. Hey. Mm. I tend to agree here with Bainey. What did the Goofies do to deserve, like, no cloud break, no G-land? Chopes, that's it. Mm. And pipe. And pipe. I mean, but pipe backdoor is is there for the for the regular footers if they want to go. It's like, and the regular footers, you know, they get their fucking say. These big heaving barrels. It's not like a long, steep left point. You mm. know what I mean? Or or like a a, a J Bay or a Kira equivalent. Yeah. Or a snapper or a, uh, you know, fucking wobbly rights. I've almost had a gut full Smith. Mm. It's a good point. I mean, the flip side of that to balance out the argument. Backside, Wahaz, vert backside hits, done like clockwork, like a pendulum swinging, has been the formula for world titles. Uh, in the case of Italo Ferreira and Gabriel Medina, uh, it's not like it's a disadvantage anymore. Nah. Uh, well, that's a good point, isn't it? I mean, we've had, uh, what, Felipe and John John and Gabby and Italo. That's, that's your world chance for the past 10 years, pretty much. So, yeah, it's pretty much right down the middle. Yeah, uh, you would like to see him flex, though. You're right. I mean, just let him cloud break, mate. Bit of variety uh, in their turns. Just backside Rios, they do get a little tiresome. I mean, fuck, I can only imagine the elbow grease the chiropractor's having to put into O'Leary's bra after his 9,999th backside hit. Rap, Nuna, rap, Nuna, sure he punched, done. Please bring back cloud break. Mm. It's and what G Land's gone now? G Land gone. Fuck me, dead. That was short lived in a serious letdown. Well, that sums it up. Vaughn's just going to take his prescription sunglasses off and left half of them on his head. They've broken apart. No, they have broken. 
Smithy, it's been uh, wonderful, mate. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. See, uh, on the flip side, plenty more ATS where this lot came from. Hope you get the lot of dogs, eh? Hey. Are you kidding? Are you kidding?